Welcome, everybody, to episode number 46 of Biting the Bullet. I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Jared. What's up? And Typo. hey And we have a very special guest today. Um, Captain Chris is what Jared's going to call him. Uh, we'll probably, Typo and I will just call him Chris because we're Captain normal. Captain Chris! But uh, he's a friend of the show, and we're going to talk some uh, boogaloo t- tactics. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're actually... And, and this is kind of the reason that I, I wanted to uh, to get out and start talking Boogaloo. We're going to talk Boogaloo strategy, not not tactic. There we go. You're uh, right. So, uh, God, you're such I, an officer. Yeah, I know. Right? We're <laughs> doing things. All right. The MDMP and shit. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> tell tell the people who you be. So my name is Chris. I'm a, a Marine Corps officer, uh, intelligence. I've been in for uh, a little over eight years now. I know uh, Typo and Luke from back uh, in in two nine back in the day. I've been studying uh, counterinsurgency since um, shortly after leaving that command, just because you know, it's pertinent. I would say to uh, what America's been doing the last years, and uh, got really into it with um, uh, Kill Colin, who's kind of a the current uh, god of coin, if you will. He's the, the subject matter expert that everybody else falls under. And I, I kind of started thinking of everything that you do as as coin. Like, you go into the private sector, uh, you're thinking of trying to win over your own uh, customer base. It's the same sort of counterinsurgency, uh, working against the other teams, trying to get the, the people on your side. That's all insurgency or counterinsurgency is trying to win over the people and police really fucking suck at winning over the people. <laughs> police are the lance corporals of the united states government they're the ones that get sent out and you talk about your fucking you know strategic corporal and you have somebody kicking in a door shooting your dog throwing flashbang in your baby crib that's not going to win over the fucking people so uh i got really into uh all of these different, uh, I kind of shifted towards the lower right end of the political spectrum, and everybody loves talking about the tactical side of the boogaloo, and you know what you can do for like setting up your pack, what you can do for uh, a medical kit, what gun you should run, what what caliber, uh, what what grain, and people get really fucking into what they should do at the tactical level, but nobody talks about. Uh, strategy or the operational level, which is really how the pyramid of things works. Uh, uh, before I you know, go on for a five-minute monologue at the front of things, uh, the, the levels of warfare strategy at the top, operational, and tactical, and they're all supposed to nest within that. Um, there's a book, uh, New Rules of War, by Sean McFate, which I can't recommend enough, uh, about... It, it's about how America doesn't win wars anymore, what they would need to do to change it, and how you, you know, continue to operate in the modern chaotic environment. Are you they trying to talk- tell me the U.S. military is inefficient? 
Yeah, yeah, inefficient oh, wow. and and ineffective. <laughs> so oh shit! Everything like, that they they build themselves on doing, they don't do or don't do it well. He's like both eyes, Jared. Both, both eyes. Yeah. <laughs> both eyes, bitch. Got yeah. level. All right, so I alliteration in here. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, I just I forgot to do this right at the beginning, but what are we drinking? I I'll edit that out. Sorry, but what are we what are we drinking, Chris? Uh, we're we're drinking a Scotch Stone Sour with the Johnny Walker Red Label. It's going to be two parts Johnny, two parts orange juice, one part lemon juice, and a teaspoon of sugar, uh, shaken over ice and uh, served in a low ball. Yeah, it's uh pretty fucking good. And Jared already finished his. I've finished mine. <laughs> and <Dangerous>. you, <laughs> and we're gonna notice it in about ten minutes. Shout out! Yeah, yeah, I noticed that from the last episode that uh, I, I think you uh, start out the gate a little bit quickly. So pacing, pacing might be the twig. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting because it's I got that scotch out there, and I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna let it smooth for a little bit. And yeah, smooth. yeah. Well, you also have to realize you have two people to compete with for that scotch. So the the faster you get out there, you know, the, the faster Shut the fuck up. Don't, don't do that to me, Captain Chris. <laughs> Captain Dude, Chris. honestly, the last time was uh, straight up. I just, I hadn't eaten a fucking thing. And then I was like, I'll have three glasses of Jameson. Why not? <laughs> like, so I had a glass before the show that I just like sipped through two. And by, yeah, by the end, I was, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, so with all, with all of everything, everything that we're going to be talking about, um, you're you're a fucking officer, and you use a lot of uh, abbreviations or uh, acronyms. acronyms. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so so every time I do, just like wave me down, send okay, me, or just you know tell me to to stop. Yeah, like, that usually works well. But, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know at the beginning, at the front end of this, because yeah, the, half the people that is, we have. Oh, go ahead. You, you guys all, all did one tour, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on my third, and in in the time I've been in, I've dealt with a Marine Corps joint and now a, a different, you know, element of joint, uh, as well as the, the interagency and the intelligence community. And everybody uses different acronyms. And the worst part is when they overlap acronyms, <laughs> too. Uh, it's, it's just a, a little over the top. So... Uh, I'll I'll try my best to uh, to keep things you know well explained and you know define anything that that might be a little bit hazy. Yeah, and you know, typo got out as a lance, so he's kind of dumb. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to dumb some things down for him. You know, <laughs> I drop I dro- I drop bombs and made moms, man. I got it. I'm on I'm on this. Fucking <laughs> no one likes you, Jared. Dude, I don't even like you. <laughs> All right, so we can jump back into this. Uh, we actually have notes for those listeners uh, because um, our guest made them. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to start at the at the top of this or if, if there was some other stuff before I cut you off. No, no. So I, I think I was actually kind of into the uh, second bullet point. Yeah. For, for everyone out there who can't see the bullet points. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so why strategy is important. I, I already talked about the, the three levels, strategy, operational, tactical. Everybody loves talking tactical because uh, it's the fun stuff. It's yeah, sexy. It's fun stuff. Like that's everybody wants to be the guy on the X. Uh, it's easy to train for shooting. It's fun to train for shooting. Everybody wants to be the dude who shot Hitler, uh, but nobody wants to be the dude in the planning room that's talking about the fucking logistics to get 
dies in Italy because who the fuck cares about Italy anyway? <laughs> Nobody um, wants to be there right now. So <laughs> yeah, I actually have a, an ex who's uh, in Italy right now, and she just keeps on pushing stuff out, and I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm happy that I have a privatized uh, healthcare system right now. <laughs> <Fucked. laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, back to back to the matter. Now, <laughs> uh, Sean McFate, um, he was a keynote speaker for a symposium about uh, special operations warfare, why it's important, and he wrote this book, uh, "The New Rules of War." Uh, it's called uh, "Goliath" for the European uh, version of it. It's all about how we're this we're the lone superpower, and we can't seem to actually, you know, win a war. And uh, there's this vignette in it where a, a commander, uh, a commanding general from Vietnam after the war, years after, was talking with the Vietnamese general. He goes up to him at one of the meetings and says, you know, you guys never beat us in a single battle that we had. Uh, we won every single time. Uh, just kind of be like, you know, we put you guys in your place. And the Vietnamese commander says, yeah, but we won the war. And that's, that's strategy versus tactics. At the end of the day, if you don't have strategy and you don't nest it, your tactics mean jack shit. So you can go around being the best book boy that there is, but if you don't actually, you know, win a war or pull over people to your side, uh, that's, that's not how an insurgency is won. And that's really, uh, unless you guys are talking about like a straight up, we're going to be, wearing Hawaiian shirts and flying the igloo flag, uh, civil war, that, that's what, uh, that's what a boogaloo would have to look like is a protracted insurgency. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's, you know, it, I see it a lot in like the community that we're in, especially cause we automatically, when we came into this whole thing, we automatically got put like the boogaloo boys. Like that's kind of like, we weren't, like there was another group that called themselves the Boogaloo Boys, but we came out, we're biting the bullet. It all made sense. We're Marine vets. We were talking about the Boogaloo. So we kind of just got thrown into the whole shebang with that. And a lot of the people that I see in that like group, and not all of them, um, but a lot of people that I see in that group, you know, it's kind of just uh, erratic um, uh, violence. <laughs> Like violence is kind of erratic, but there's there's like precision violence, I guess you could say. I don't know. I don't even know if you guys are following what I'm saying, but no, I got you. Yeah, but you know, a lot of it's like erratic violence, like just they just want to fight. They just want to randomly punch. It's like that guy in a fucking pit at a fucking show that's just like swinging his arms around and kicking. And then there's that like it's usually us when we go to shows, typo. But it's like you, Nick, and I, and it's like that guy's being a dick because he's just hitting people. And we're like, we're going to hit that guy. And then everybody's going to go back and be just fine because everybody leaves the pit. And when they're getting punched in the face, but there's like erratic violence and then, you know, precision violence where it's like, all right, there's a reason why we're doing this. We need the background to it. And we need the reason, like the actual reason why we're hitting this specific spot and things like that. And I think that's where we're pretty much going with this episode. Yeah. And, and that's a great example is, Whoever comes off as the guy swinging erratically will be the one that people move away from. If you're counterpunching, that's that's much different than being the guy punching. And you look at something like Duncan Lemp, and you see somebody getting punched, 
then the populace, which is, again, the, the overall goal here, uh, is going to move away from the person punching Duncan Lemp. You counterpunch, and that's different. But if you come off as the person, uh, the what, ACAB, all cops are bastards, if you just, like the guy down in Texas, who goes up to two cops in a cop car and just shoots them, you're going to come off as an asshole, and you're, not, you're going to do more harm than good uh, for your cause. I, at the end of the day, one of you guys was saying you were related to a cop who does detective work. Like, at, at the end of the day, like, if a cop is investigating a murder, like something we can all agree is a, a crime, there is a victim, so there is a crime, like that might not be the same thing as a cop red flagging somebody for owning a 30 round magazine when the law says you can only own a 29 round. So oh, yeah, you, you basically it's some, it's some we've said before where it's like, you can't don't, I, it's something that I've told, uh, especially like more veteran, like veteran type fucking boob boys and shit. Cause like, that's just raw anger. And it's like something I tell them all the time. It's like, dude, don't, 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 don't like insurgencies and fucking the boogaloo, as you would say, it's all going to be a propaganda campaign. Don't be worse than the thing you hate. Don't be as violent. Don't be as fucking just erratic and fucking nonchalant about human life as the thing that you claim is evil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and and the thing is you you see somebody like Duncan get shot and you you feel that visceral anger. You want to go out and do something about it. But the problem is when you're focused on the tactical end of things and you're just like, what can I do at such a low level, but it's not nested within an operation and the operation isn't nested within an overall overarching strategy, then all it, it looks like just random, uh, random terrorist acts. And what you don't want to do is come off as a terrorist. You might be labeled a terrorist, but you know, uh, the IO side, the information operations side of things, the, uh, public relations side of things, you have to be able to spin it your way. And if you're just, uh, you know, a rebel without a cause, a loose gun firing at any target you see, you're, you're not going to look like you have a cause. You're going to, to look like, you know, you've just lost it and gone postal. And, and that's helping no one uh, on, on either side. E- even if you think your targets are justified, you, you would definitely be doing more harm than good. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think it's a good place to say where what we try to do on this show is we're trying to give like, we, we always talk about decentralization and I'm, I'm, I bet you we'll get into it, but th- a lot of people are going to be like, well, how can we do this without having, you know, one leader or something like that where everybody's going back around or things like that. And with what we're trying to do is set up an idea. So if we all, if we say on this show, you know, we don't kill women and children the way that the U S government does in foreign countries, you know, like if that's like the theme, this is just an example. If that's like the theme that we're going with, it's like, all right, that's the idea. You can have that idea and that can be our, our public relations all across uh, all the people that are boogalooing. You know what I mean? So what we're going to try to do in this episode is, you know, the overarching theme of how to do this correctly decentralized as well. Yeah, and I I think uh, that's an interesting part about uh, the Boogaloo ideology of kind of a um, an anarchist or minarchist ideology is, uh, and we'll get into this uh, a little bit more in depth later. But with most uh, insurgency ideologies that you look at, they're trying to emplace a system that is more controlling 
than the one that they're they're trying to uh, displace. Um, there there are examples uh, where where that doesn't apply. I mean, you look at the American Revolution, um, but even then, trying to organize people for anarchy, if you will, is it's almost defeating in it itself. Like, we we talk about whiskey rebellion because you know we we do the the rebellion to uh, get away from England, and then the initial thing that they do is you know tax people for something and have an internal rebellion that they then quash out of their own form of tyranny. But at the same time, they they took out loans to pay the people to fight a rebellion against England, and they weren't taking those loans from England; they were taking it from other countries and other businessmen who expected to be paid back by a, you know, group that was going to be formed afterwards. So there needed to be some form of governance to, you know, rally money to then pay back uh, the groups that they had borrowed money from. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into a, a little bit the, the political dichotomy uh, that's set up between uh, between those, and I'll, I'll try st to stop using the like seven syllable words as I go in. But the more scotch I drink, the less I can promise that. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. You get smarter as you get drunk. We just get we start using you know a syllable word. I'm fuck, like fuck. By the end of shit, by the end of this episode, Captain Chris would be like, "Well, you see, in order to uh, actually win the war, you have to uh, you have to." you know, decentralize your fighting force and win a propaganda campaign against the enemy that is the state and the enemy in their vigor will um, over exaggerate <laughs> their violence. See, I can't even do this over, over yeah, violence say, on if the populace. The, if this is you acting as me sounding smart, you're, oh, you're dude, yeah. too far gone, man. <laughs> uh, fuck you, I'm the purple. Um, <laughs> and then, like, by that time, I'll be like, Marine shoot good, I got this. <laughs> i'm getting fucking hellfire i already know <laughs> yeah yeah just just don't look up because uh, you know that's that's how they get you that's your story yep all right so let's let's get back into this <laughs> after that little sidebar okay so uh yeah we were talking uh early on about uh not using big words, not using acronyms that people don't understand. So I just wanted to um, go into initially some of the, the different definitions. Uh, so an insurgency, uh, breaking it down Barney style, and uh, I'm sure I have, you know, I, I have like 10 different insurgency books right next to me that I try and pull out of. So an insurgency is an organized movement aimed at overthrowing a constituted government through use of subversion and armed conflict. That's, you know, the uh, definition out of uh, what I believe is the joint pub uh, for counterinsurgency. Uh, if not, uh, sorry, field manual 3-05.130. So that's the, the Army's pub for it. Uh, guerrilla warfare is going to be uh, warfare aimed at the enemy's back, so uh, military and paramilitary operations conducted in enemy-held or hostile territory by irregular, predominantly indigenous forces. And unconventional warfare, that's part of irregular warfare, which is what uh, SOCOM does or what SOF does, the Special Operation Forces. And un unconventional warfare is when you 
use your national power to support uh, guerrilla warfare or support an insurgency. And so a lot of people use these words interchangeably. And I know I sound like the the officer being like, knife hand words mean things. because You, this you sound like problem. Captain Chris. Yeah, exactly, right? Because I yeah. am. <laughs> but, uh, Dirty officers. Yeah, I, I know. And <laughs> we get paid more and we get to drink more and there's nothing good about us. And but, you're an uh, English major, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I am. But uh, the beauty of that is I went to school to read a bunch of shit and understand the ideas and tie them all together. And now I'm an intelligence officer where I get paid to read a bunch of shit and understand the ideas and then tie it all together. So I think it, uh, it worked out well for me in the end. Uh, you know, I had an arty officer that had an art degree, so. Yeah, so, I'm not, not quite sure where the tie-in is between those two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say he can make really good, um, you know, the, uh, what are those, uh, ske- the sketches, the terrain sketches? Dude, he made bomb terrain sketches. I was like, but, I was <laughs> like, like terrain sketches were legit. I was like, but how many times did he actually get to make them? Like, <laughs> In country? None. You don't do that. <laughs> Anyway, Captain Chris, please continue. Yeah, so, so mostly what we're talking about when we talk the tactical level, that's talking about guerrilla warfare. Um, when people say unconventional warfare, that would be if they were supporting uh, something else. And we'll get into the different components of an insurgency later on. Uh, but really what we're talking about is that insurgency. The group within a... Uh, an otherwise controlled or governed area that's trying to dethrone or otherwise subvert uh, the the governing body. So you talk about the extre- extremes of what the Boogaloo thinks it can accomplish. Uh, I, I guess the, the furthest most would be installing an anarcho-capitalist state with no, uh, you know, with no governing body. And then the, the goals on on the the left side of that spectrum being just like making inroads. Uh, we'll get a little bit further into objectives uh, being realistic and achievable later on. But uh, understanding that what what we talk about when we talk about Boogaloo, and I mean you, I, and when I say we, I mean you know the hypothetical Boogaloo group, uh, not necessarily to include myself because I still have to fill out an SF-86 and retain that clearance. So I, I can't, uh, what is it? I can't openly advocate for the overthrow of the U.S. government. That would get me in a little bit of trouble. So that's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying uh, from a scholarly perspective, uh, dispassionately and academically, what does a boogaloo look like? And we're talking about an insurgency. Uh, so... Uh, we talk about an insurgency and we talk about the, the will of the population. Um, and Mao talks about this if you read uh, On Guerrilla Warfare. And Mao will say right off the bat in On Guerrilla Warfare uh, that guerrilla warfare is a tactic in a greater insurgency. Guerrilla warfare will not win an insurgency. Uh, standard military tactics will not win an insurgency. Um, so you, you have to understand that uh, what I'm trying to do by talking strategy rather than talking just the tactical aspects is is have people understand that uh, them going and, and doing something that uh, even if it is supportive of the overall strategy, 
has to be supportive of that higher purpose rather than uh, being strategic in itself. Things that are tactical might help, but what they have to do is help the strategy because that's that's what we're going after in the long run. Makes so, sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad, when I was a kid, told me that uh, politics is like baseball. Uh, there will always be a third for you, a third that are always going to be against you. And what you're vying for is the third in the middle. In baseball, you're going to win a third of the games. You're going to lose a third of the games. And what matters is that third toss-up. Like if you have a team that's uh, winning two-thirds of their games, that's, that's incredible. Having a, you know, it, it's not football. You're not going to have a perfect season when you make it uh, to the World Series. So uh, the same with the populace. Like even during the American Revolution, you go up into to New York, which today is still, you know, uh, a stronghold of British communism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jared that. is dying right now. He and, can't. And, he can't breathe. And understand that you know all of the people aren't always going to be for you. But what you're trying to do is win over the people. Um, so so that. Uh, that makes the insurgency kind of unique because normally when you look at counterinsurgent forces like America in Vietnam, America in Afghanistan, the British in Afghanistan, um, we, we, from a very Western perspective, uh, think of it as uh, how do you win over a populace when you're not, um, not localized with the populace? And that's an extreme disadvantage and when you're not playing in your home court. But you have to realize that in insurgency within someone's home court is much more difficult to do. Uh, that's when you start looking at the, <clears throat> the unconventional warfare, which is the purpose of special forces. Uh, that's the Green Berets. That's a, special forces is a smaller portion within the special operating forces, and that would be all of SOCOM. So the Green Berets' like, main mission is to be able to go work with indigenous forces and train them up to topple a government. Right. Aren't they aren't they getting rid of Green Berets? No, no. So uh, that I, I posted something earlier. What they're getting rid of is the the CRIP or the Combat Reaction Force. Or, sorry, Crisis Crisis Reaction Force. Uh, and that was one company within each group. And the groups are geographically aligned to each geographical combatant command. That's right, 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 right. Southcom, Southcom, UCOM. Uh, Indo-PACOM, AFRICOM, all, all CENTCOM, all those breakdowns. Uh, and there was one company that would kind of be the like 911 force. Uh, but the problem was they were kind of like in such a, a band of like, this is more important than calling in the Marines uh, who are like America's 911 force, but less important than calling in like people who, who you would call in in the true oh shit situations. Uh, so they had such a small band that they just pushed them back to the normal Green Berets. Okay. Uh, so right. the normal groups, yeah. So the, the Green Berets are staying around, and the Green Berets, uh, everybody within the last 20 years has become kind of this gray malaise of coin counterinsurgent SOCOM force that the military and SOCOM specifically weren't built up to be. So the Green Berets' job was to do bid or foreign internal defense, as well as uh, unconventional warfare and a couple other things within irregular warfare that made them unique. And 
Uh, so when, when we talk about... Hey, I, I, I'm sorry. I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to tie back to you. You were talking about how inside, inside of a country, like if you were to have an insurgency domestically, that the, uh, the kind of like home field advantage that a lot of guerrilla fighters, like your fighters in Afghanistan, your fighters in uh, Vietnam, your fighters in Iraq, they have that kind of home field advantage. You know, they have that culture. They, um, I've actually had this argument. I've had this talk with a, a couple people um when they talk against like oh no the fucking u.s military is just gonna come through and run rampant and you're gonna get fucked up you know because they know the area this is the united states they know the united states you know they have maps and shit and i'm like well, and but uh what i was getting at is um the united states crosses was it four climate zones like you you roughly have like three or four different climate zones like um like a, a fucking soldier from upstate new york is not going to be used to the terrain, the, uh, not necessarily as much of the culture, but the, the terrain, the climate, and the general like layout of, say, fucking Arizona. Or somebody from Texas isn't, because the military is just this hodgepodge of different fucking groups and different backgrounds and everything like that. Like somebody from, you know, the fucking panhandle of Texas, Armorillo, that shit state of a fucking city, isn't going to be exactly acclimatized to somebody, say, like the bayou of fucking Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, and, I would say, and I, I, and and it's uh, like they still have the culture, like they still have the language and the culture, but it's more or less like if something were like that were to happen in the United States at such a, a large level that it's you know a boogaloo, you know, hypothetically, um, that that kind of like home field advantage, like that home field advantage diminisher that happens in like more civil conflicts, I feel like that's going to lapse a little bit within a country just the general size and like the different topography across the united states uh yes um i i agree what what you're talking about is uh so in uh the sixth dynamic of a successful insurgency that's uh once you get into phasing and timing mm -hmm. and when you break down the strategy like you don't want to be considering uh, you don't want to jump too far into something. You kind of want to work it in steps. The step of calling out national military to start uh, countering an insurgency would be what it would be the last step before yeah. a, a victory, uh, so to speak, for the Boogaloo. So what you'd be looking at is likely more National Guard force, which is probably you know days away from being act well. I believe in Washington they've already been activated. Yeah, they uh, but they actually Baltimore, got active. They actually got activated here, but they're just stocking help stocking stores. I haven't actually yeah. seen them yet, honestly. But uh, and I drive all around the valley. But apparently, Governor Ducey and fucking uh, Doug Ducey in Arizona, he's like, yeah, act, we're activating the the National Guard. But I was telling people at my work today. I probably should. I need to fucking chill out at work. Honestly, <laughs> I need to fucking chill at work because Me like they were, too, buddy. They, they were talking about like, they're like, Oh yeah, well the national guards come like they're activated and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dude, honestly, if the fucking national guard, there's some little national guard fucker comes to my front door and it's like, Hey, there's a mandatory curfew. I'm going to fucking check him at the door. Like, dude, like, I don't know. Like that's this is my first response. First off. It's probably a bad response, especially when we're. That's like we're, that's, we're that's so like, gonna what we're saying die. not to do to yeah. win people over so, in the movie. We are so <laughs> going to fucking die. Like it's unreal. I love it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there would have to be a trigger point yeah. for people just. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for like some fucking fat female National Guard dude to unload her M4 into our fucking front part of our house, <laughs> and I just get schwacked sitting here on this podcast. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the uh, day that I came back from uh, the the latest trip I was on, I it was I, I was on the trip when the uh duncan lemp murder happened so like i'm in the airport and i'm like well shit if if i were to get red flagged uh what am i gonna do so i go back i'm cleaning my my ar i'm you know oiling up every individual round that i have and wiping it off of any fingerprints because round uh you know any sort of casing is going to carry that and hiding it under my bed i I'm thankful my fiance uh, doesn't think I'm too paranoid and, you know, calling anybody on me because that would get a little bit messy. But at the same time, if I didn't have a fiance, I'd probably be like boarding up the, the windows. <laughs> the, women are, the, women are, the women in our lives keep us level. Exactly. Like, right? like, uh, <laughs> things, things would have gotten way out of hand had I not had somebody where I'm like, well, you know, she'd probably be collateral, and that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> her dog too, and I know how the ATF and uh, even local cops feel about dogs, and I love the little guy, so I'm not gonna let that happen to him. Uh, yeah, dude, that's that's our thing. Like, I just got a brand new puppy. She's three months old, and like, like she, I barely had her. I've had her less than. I've had her up for close to two months. And, like, I love the little thing. She pisses me the fuck off. She shit on my floor, th- my floor this morning. <laughs> like, just, like, diarrhea all over my floor. <laughs> but if she fucking – and it's carpet. But she's if she fucking got killed by a cop or the ATF or shwack in my house, I'd fucking see red. Like, I don't know. I would be fucking gone to the wind, man. You yeah. ain't coming out of there alive, dude. Yeah. Like, it, you're like, exactly. I'm shooting. Like, somebody's the bodies – and just say that they, they didn't announce themselves on the way in. You thought they were a burglar. Sin bachelors. <laughs> I'm in North Carolina. I can bury them in a bog. They're not coming back. <laughs> Hypothetically. We got, we got uh, Tempe I'm, Town Lake here. <laughs> but, uh, but, but going back to uh, that's, that's a good point that you struck and something else that um, I've talked a few times about where everybody always focuses on like the military, the military, you know, that, that professional fucking Marine that's just going to fucking drive his 220 pound fucking Texan ass through your fucking door and fucking slay everything. And it's like, that's, that's not what you're going to be fighting for a while. That's not going to, that's not, that's not your threat. Like, like the level of firepower cap- capability of violence and fucking actual like tactical fucking knowledge that you're going to be facing is not going to be active duty military for a good minute, just because of the actual like societal ramifications of doing that. That's true. But uh, so you had, um, I believe it was when you had whiskey rebellion on and he was talking about like the standard cop force, like what, what they're capable of. Uh, but it's not going to be the standard cop force that's coming to red flag you either. That's, that's SWAT. And one of the, um, I, I, we're talking strategy, but I, I love tactics. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> tactics a are sexy. Guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, one of the the gun guys that I I follow uh, is is a trainer out in California, and I have no idea how gun people exist in California and New Jersey, but it seems that that's where all of the training goes on. Uh, and he's a SWAT guy, and those are the guys who would be coming through the front door. Is not your you know Barney Fife 
uh, Andy Griffith, like, you know, I have a revolver on my hip and a star on my chest. I'm a cop. Like, the same one that you see out of South Park, Officer Barb Brady, who's coming through your door. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the guys who, who are well-trained and do, who do have the funding and, and the time. I think that's I think that's I think that's really dependent on how far into the boogaloo you get hit with that though. Because that's, that's, as uh, Pat Pat from Uncensored Tactical put it like really lightly, like the Marine Corps, like if I got schwacked, like with even with all the training and all the knowledge and the very niche thing that I did as a JFO, like I get schwacked, there's somebody to replace me. Like there's a long line of fucking people that can still do my very niche job. And I mean that goes for radio operators or basic riflemen, like that can be flooded with somebody that has basically around the same level of training where something like yeah, Pat, Pat went into it like really well with his fucking background, but it was more or less like how many guys do you think they have on that like ATF team? Like how many guys, like how the actual like manpower and logistics of those like very specialized actual trained teams is fucking minuscule. So like, yeah, if you're the fucking like first five houses that you hit, they hit, you're probably going to die. I'm sorry. Fucking sucks. But like once they lose, you know, one guy at the first hit, two guys at the second hit, fucking another guy at the third hit and so on and so forth, they, they run out of people with that actual tactical fucking proficiency that can actually move through your fucking house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, the only problem is, I guess, um, offenses versus uh, defensive mentality. Uh, if, if you're, expecting that these people come you can set up a defense like i live on the right. two story if they brought in a ladder i would be pretty fucked um but <laughs> if not like i in my my place down in my in miami i had an ar on a tripod pointed at the door which <laughs> I, I, it was because i was building it but i knew that every time the like super came in because i was on the second story and anytime the third story would drop water and it would end up on the first story. They would check my place first, and they would leave little notes like, hey, we came to check your place. We didn't steal anything. Everything was good to go. And I'd be like, oh, well, they probably, you know, got a little freaked out when they opened the door, and there was a 5.56 barrel pointed right at the chest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I love that you're still in the Marine Corps. How? How are you still in the Marine Corps? I don't it's so like, fucking I, funny. Just from listening to you, I'm assuming you're not you're not an ANCAP, are you? Um, no, I I I am an ANCAP. <laughs> uh, he you better be. You better be a minarchist. <laughs> so here's here's the reason I'm I'm a minarchist rather than an ANCAP. Is it because and, you're still in the Marine Corps? <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I believe in in gradual change of things. I believe that things can move quickly, but let's say hypothetically, and we're getting way off topic here, but you know we can go as late into the night as you guys are willing to go and your listeners are willing to listen to us when they download this. Three-hour episode! <laughs> <laughs> so let's say tomorrow the U.S. government disbands. Like, hallelujah, we, we are no longer under the the arm of the oppressive state. Uh, there are other oppressive states that would move in on that power vacuum. Yeah. So what what I would say, like Russia, China to tomorrow would be in your backyard and you think Dustin Lemp is bad, like the way they treat their people. Yes, we would, we are better armed than their citizens. Uh, but, but you look at the uh, 19th and 20th century, like uh, mid 19th throughout the, the 20th, 
and you're looking at uh, the rise of states. And we're talking like post-Westphalian order, which is, again, a, uh, pimping Sean McFate's book. Uh, the Westphalian order was like the end of the Thirty Years' War when they said that the states had the monopoly on violence and mercenary warfare was no longer the thing. Uh, so, so that's what we're moving forward to. Um, but, but you look at like a rise of states, that's once we're moving into Africa, we're moving into Asia. Uh, there's a lot of colonialism going on and the state is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So uh, if we could make the next century and a half a decline of that, rather than trying to make the state end tomorrow, being like, what's, what's the smallest we can get to state where we're no longer concerned for our citizenry? And then once other states see that and our economy is doing well because we're not telling people that they have to shelter in place because of flu that's only going to affect you if you're over 60 years old, smoked all your life and have AIDS. Like, <laughs> we, we don't have to worry about the majority of people having that. But if we can drop the state to the level that they are actually just protecting their populace rather than starting, you know, wars of expansion, then other countries will see the excess, success that we have and they might not change, but their populace will demand change. The same way in Hong Kong that they were demanding change. The same way that in Ukraine they demanded change when they tried to side with Russia against the will of the people and they said no. So if it's done gradually, uh, I, I'm all for uh, an anarcho-capitalist state in the end. Uh, or, or a near one, at least. But if it were to happen tomorrow, I would say that the detriment would be that it wouldn't be sustainable. So right. I, I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. or <clears throat> Yet. Yeah. Do you guys remember uh, AP for L LP, uh, Austin Peterson, when he yeah. ran? Yeah. He, he had some points about why he was a minarchist, not a an anarchist, because, you know, Joe Schmo, the... Uh, the shit rag salesman deserves to have protection. And if he can't pay the, you know, uh, McDonald's security force that owns his county uh, to not McNuke him, he still deserves some security. And I don't think, and this go, goes back to the cops being shitty coin uh, entities, but they, they still need to serve and protect the, the uh, Supreme Court said that they don't have to serve and protect. Like, if they see a crime going on, they don't have to do jack shit about it. We need a force that will investigate murders, that will investigate theft. I had my, my motorcycle stolen down in Miami, and you talk about a jack shit police force that doesn't give a fuck. I waited uh, at my building for four hours after calling them, and the police car rolled up and I saw it from my second story, looked down and was just waiting there for 45 minutes. Finally went down to the car. I'm like, hey, uh, are you here for me? Because I, I have a crime that I need help with. And then when I finally tried to track down the GPS myself with my 45 on my hip, uh, I called and I'm like, hey, I have the address that the, the motorcycle was last seen at. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's in the other police department. That's down in Miami PD, and this is county. So until they put it into their system, no crime has been committed, and we can't do shit about it. Like, that's a police force nowadays, and I believe any police force in a minarchist state, but not not the one that we have right now. 
That's that's really true. Um, I mean, not not as extreme for me, but when I got in my car accident, I had to call three different police departments because they all kept saying like, "That's not our, that's not in our district. That's not in our district." And I was like, "Okay, well, can you please just give me, connect me with someone that can fucking help me?" <laughs> and it was a minor accident. Like it was, it took like ten minutes for them to report the thing and then leave. But like, it took me probably longer to get in contact with the police than for them to do the the whole fucking scene. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I was on night shifts at the time. I'd been up for about uh, thirty-six, maybe forty-eight hours by the time that I was wandering around doing this. So I was on a bit of a short fuse. But the inability for public servants to serve the public is awe-inspiring. Like, oh yeah, I know you guys talked about religion on like five episodes back or something. I am I am in awe of God, and I am in awe of how much the United States government fails to to be effective and serve the populace that funds it. Yeah, it's uh, pretty fucking insane. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I feel like we got a little off topic. <laughs> we're we're gonna roll back just a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I mean, if, back. if there's back. if there's anything that's more on brand about us, it's Jesus fucking Christ, Jared in the kitchen dropping everything. Jesus but, fuck, dude, that's <laughs> so loud. You can hear everything. Yeah, well, I mean, at least he he muted his mic when he walked. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I feel like I'm closest to the kitchen. Maybe you are, Luke. But like, yeah. every time he like moves a spoon in the fucking silverware drawer, like we hear everything. But uh, yeah, um, let's get back on topic before Jared throws shit okay, some more. So dynamics of a successful insurgency. And when, when I said, uh, when I told Typo I wanted to come on this initially, uh, I was, I, I guess, kind of a, uh, I don't want to say like a doubter, but there are major flaws uh, within the idea of a boogaloo. I, we pointed out a couple. Um, there, there isn't a strategy uh, per se, and we'll we'll go over these and kind of see where the pitfalls are. I'm a, a student of counterinsurgency and insurgency and unconventional warfare. I wouldn't say I'm a subject matter expert. I go to uh, David Kilcolan. Uh, I think I called him out before about being the the current uh, one to go to for for coin or counterinsurgency. Uh, he wrote a book. A counterinsurgency, and I remember the first time I was reading through it, um, he said he wrote the book because a a major came, or a captain rather, came up to him and he's like, hey, you have all of these great counterinsurgency thoughts, but what do we do down at, uh, you know, at the ground level? And so he wrote uh, this book, Counterinsurgency, and the captain he was talking about was actually um, the the director of infantry officer course when I went through it. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to flag him, but this guy was like a god to all of us. The only time I ever saw him stutter was when he was introducing General Mattis at our graduation ceremony. And like, okay, yeah, we've all got, you know, hard on the side of of our forearms. So I understand why you screwed that one up. The blood just wasn't in the right place, but this guy was a god among Marines. Uh, So he's talking in counterinsurgency about about this guy and he's written a, a handful of books i've read all of them the one that i would recommend to your reader or your listeners the most would be out of the mountains and that's talking about how insurgencies are no longer what we look at in afghanistan but they're becoming urbanized 
and uh, they're they're moving to he says the littorals uh, over and over again in that, which is you know the job of the Marine Corps, which is why I got really into it. But if you think about a, an urban insurgency vice a, a rural insurgency, which is what the the Marine Corps is kind of, or the Marine Corps, the military has kind of been fighting for the last twenty years. Um, it, it's a lot different. So uh, he talks about that. His latest book, or the latest one I read, was called A Blood Year, and it, it was about the you know like rise of ISIS and Russia moving in uh, to Crimea and Syria falling, Iraq just falling apart. And, and uh, one one bad thing I can say about Phil Colin is he is a statist, like big statist. One of the things he says in one of his counterinsurgency books was like, yeah, well, one of the great things we had going for us in Afghanistan that was working well was, you know, building these roads and putting people to work. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're spending money so they can build roads that no one will ever drive on. And it just reminds me of that old British adage that you can rent an, ad, uh, an Afghan's loyalty, but you can't buy it. And that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. So uh, without further ado, the uh, seven dynamics of a successful insurgency, one, two, three, four, five, six, boom, got it. Uh, leadership, oh, ideology. You took the math for Marines. Yeah, oh, I know, for right? Marines, like Captain Crush over here. Get big time officer. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll go through these one by one, but overall it's uh, leadership, ideology, objectives, environment and geography, external support, uh, phasing and timing, and organization and operational uh, patterns. And like I said, we'll get into each one of these, but just off me reading some of those, you guys should be like, well, shit, the Boogaloo lacks in a big way uh, a couple of these. And we'll start off right off the bat with leadership. leadership. Uh, so how do you form a uh, leadership when the ideology is based on individualism? You do a weekly podcast with your <laughs> friends. <laughs> and I, I'm all about uh, individualism, volunteerism, and, and you know, making the state as impotent as possible. Um, but it, uh, if you read. Um, I'm going to, you know, have like a thousand pages for all of your listeners to go through. And I had to read this for uh, a JSOU uh, for a Joint Special Operations University. Sorry for the acronym. You got it, brother. You, you caught up to yourself. You're good. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, course that I went to. It's a, It was a great course. And we had to read all like 400 pages of this before we got there. Uh, it's Assessing Revolutionary and Insurgents uh, Strategies. Um, the second edition, Human Factors, Considerations of Undergrounds in Insurgencies. Great book. Uh, if you read a chapter a night for the next two weeks, you'll knock it out. The entire thing is online. So that, that's how I went through it the first time before they gave me the five-pound book that's in my hand right now. Um, and the, the leadership, if you look at these, you usually have very charismatic leaders. Uh, they, they use four or five examples uh, going through it, but the IRA, uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, the FARC, uh, and, and you have these individuals uh, that are able to draw people to them. And while, while I don't think the uh, 
the Boogaloo lacks uh, leadership in the sense of charismatic individuals. Like I would say all three of you are, are charismatic individuals who are able to uh, you know, draw people and, and bring people on board. The, the problem is there, there isn't a, there isn't that pyramid of, of strategy to operations to tactics. So there's nobody up top being like the next primary point that we have to hit is X. There's a bunch of people uh, that people like to follow on the internet that are saying X, Y, and Z. You can go any place from Justin Amash to you guys and like, no offense, but on the, the spectrum of uh, social impact, Justin Amash has you guys beat. Uh, so, Fucking politicians. Yeah, I know, right? They're just ruining everybody's day. Uh, or, you know, Massey or Rand Paul or Ron Paul, you know. I feel, I, feel, I feel like something like that's more organic, though. Like, it's something that, like, like everybody's always asked, sitting around asking, like, you know, when do we put Hawaiian shirts on? When do we put our tracksuits on? Like, how much of this is we going to take? And it's like the only answer I could ever really give anybody is it, it's an organic thing. Like you can't, it's not something that's forced. Like, it's not like we all just pick somebody and he's our fucking, you know, he's our Osama and we fucking go out and we follow him. It's a very, it, in the situation in the United States, the way I see it, and I mean, obviously you have way more fucking reading into this shit than I do. The way I see it from my point of view is it's something that, that, that truly just comes organically and it comes naturally as the timeline of state aggression and the timeline of tyranny continues to progress. So like you have, and, and honestly, in my mind, the best case scenario would be you have multiple fucking leaderships. You have multiple heads of the snake. You have multiple fucking guys that have slightly different, you know, maybe di- di- about the same fucking viewpoints. You basically have a balkanization. You have like separate fucking entities that all move in very distinct yet separate patterns. Okay, so you, you're talking about, uh, I guess, two different things that have worked for insurgencies in the past, and that's a cellular versus a hierarchical mm-hmm. structure. Um, and, and we've seen that with uh, I, I, ISIS as well as uh, Al-Qaeda in Iraq or AQI. Um, however, at, at the end of the day, both of those organizations, one had a uh, Zarqawi, um, yep. uh, because he was from that you know beautiful gem of Jordan uh, as Zarka, um, and one had uh, Al Baghdadi, even though I, I don't believe he was actually from Baghdad. Uh, yeah. But the the cellular structure, um, those those are once again we're talking about the tactical units mm. where we're uh, we're organic and we're just doing things. Uh, we call them. Um, External operations. A third, uh, third, can, third party actors is the term that I heard when I was in. Yeah, yeah. So once we go out and, and uh, but again, you have hires sta- saying, uh, and that's strategic hire saying, mm-hmm. go out and do, you know, Allah's work. And here's how you build a pressure cooker bomb. Or, yeah. you know, here's how you blow up an Ariana Grande concert. Those are external yeah. operations. And when you're talking about the cellular level, uh, and again, uh, terrorism will not help the boogaloo. So please, if you're listening to this giant disclaimer, don't do either of those. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. No, don't do that. hundred percent. Yeah. That's, there's no w- winking going on. I really, yeah. Not yeah. For like, the not. Oklahoma, like the Oklahoma city bombing didn't help our cause. I, I know. Way. At the end of the day, like 
You, you just killed a bunch of fucking Debras that bring donuts to everybody every morning. Exactly. Like, like you didn't. Yeah. He, he wanted to do good, good things. He wanted. Well, if, hmm. backtrack that one. If you can cut it off in post, that'd be great. <laughs> the road uh, to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Like it, you try and blow up the FBI, you're going to blow up a lot of mid-level functionaries. So, what what you're looking at when you talk about a cellular structure. Uh, that's that is good in not being able to uh, defeat an organization. Um, when when we talk about like DISIS or DIQI, which like defeat the overall um, mission set for those, or the o overall uh, functional uh, missions for those, uh, th that's that's good. But you still need direction, and, and, I, and th that's that's what I mean about the dichotomy between leaders in an individual network is everybody asks like yeah when are we going to put on the boogaloo like fucking dust uh lent just got killed like is now the time and there is no one who's like rally the fucking troops like yeah we we talk about like virginia of uh, we had how many hundreds of people out there in in gear and ARs and their fucking uh, kits were on, and you're like, yeah, we got all these people together. That's great. But it wasn't fucking great because all they did was delay half of the bills they were going to pass until next year, pass the other half, and then these guys went home. Like, there's nobody to say, like, hey, here's the person. One of my favorite memes is your, your liberties aren't dying. Your rights aren't dying. They're being taken away by people with addresses and homes like at the end of the day like you can't just go and march and expect change there will have to be a a, 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 a culminating event a culminating event and well culminating event would usually be on the the back side of all of this after but, uh, <laughs> a, a flash the point there has like, to be a flash point there has to be a flash point and everybody's waiting for the flash point and they, they move gradually. Like, if if tomorrow they would say, like, register or turn in all of your weapons, all of your ammunition, all of your alcohol, and uh, that's just law in America now. I'm sure people would just, you know, be ready to start shit off. But they wouldn't have anybody uh, to, to say, hey, go, go start shit here. Like, right now in New Hampshire, there is a judge. Uh, who was that cocksuck... Uh, who ran the State Department for Nixon, uh, Kissinger. Mm. Uh, his name is like John yeah. Kissinger or something. He has the same last name as that asshole. And he got sued by the ACLU and a group of people who said, hey, uh, the restrictions of gatherings of no more than 10 people uh, going on uh, are restricting our light, right to do political meetings that we had pre-planned as well as religious meetings that we had pre-planned. Like basic first amendment shit and he said the importance to public safety trumps all that so that's bullshit I'm, fucking yeah goddamn. exactly like i'm not advocating going out and killing judges because i can't openly do that and retain my clearance but <laughs> like at the end of the day like at what point are you expecting a flashpoint like once that happens he already said that that's already in like that that uh, lawsuit got thrown out by this man. Like, what more flashpoint are people looking for? Honestly, I think it's more or less, like, the people that know they're capable of that type of shit, like, capable, and they have an extensive knowledge of, like, what that's going to pertain. 
I think it's honestly, it's just, it's not bad enough yet. There's not like for one, I don't think those people get challenged. I don't think like, you know, the Duncan Lem shooting is fucking tragic, but it's not like this dude was a fucking hardened fucking warrior. Like it's not, you're not going to have that kind of conflict. And I think the state purposefully does that. They, you know, that's why they come at you at fucking like three o'clock in the morning. Chokes on you. I don't sleep, but, um, <laughs> like send bashers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the as you said, the state moves in, in very minute steps. And honestly, it's like the world's filled with shit and America for some fucking reason is just still slightly less shit. And it yeah, when you have, when you have something to compare it to like Europe, all the Americans yeah. are like, Oh, it's, it's not Europe. So we're okay. Yeah. And, exactly. then, and honestly, it's, I, I say it all the time. It's like, cause it's motherfuckers aren't hungry. Like I, yeah. there's nobody in this country, like a fucking homeless person in fucking San yeah. Francisco eats better than the average Afghan that I saw. So Jared, I believe you're the one who usually once you, you get about five drinks in becomes collapsitarian. Uh, so, <laughs> So the, the reason I, I don't see a future for collapsitarians is that reason is like, look at Europe. Everybody advocates for, for we should be more like England. We should be more like Italy. Like look at, at England and Italy and look at the fact that they haven't been like, no, wait a minute, fuck this shit. Like if America goes gradually and you guys talked about this on your last podcast, like two steps forward or even five steps forward, one step back. Like, oh, you know, we institute martial law. Like, well, martial law is shut down, but, uh, you know, so are all of your liquor stores and so are all or of Or they're just owned stores. by the state. Yeah, or, or they're owned by the state. Or we're giving people $1,200 a month indefinitely. Like, people, people get used to the slow boil uh, the same way that they have in Europe. So I, I would say, you know, like, if, if this hasn't sparked something then I'm not sure what will. And like, like I don't know. Said, Shit's getting kind of fucking hairy right now. Not going to exactly. lie. And you know, the, I, I love doing a uh, gun training. Like I said, I'm a, a gun guy. If I said guy with guns, like my dad always <laughs> explains the difference to me on this one. Like my dad is a guy with guns. He has, he has a handful. I am a, a gun guy. Like I like talking about builds and different models and different grains and powder loads, different stuff that goes behind it. There are car guys and I'm a guy with a car. I have something that gets me to and from work every day. Right. But uh, like you were talking about Duncan Lemp. He's not a hardened warrior. Uh, if you guys follow what well, it, it, armor. It's more or less he's not like – He's not a voice in the community. He was a follower of the he was community. A follower. He was a follower. He wasn't a voice in the community. Not only that, like, like, all right, we have four Marine Corps veterans in this house. Three of them have a gun within arm's reach at all times. If you kick in our fucking door in the middle of the night, there's a good chance that at least one of us is going to be prepared. By the time you fucking slice through the house, just in the amount of time it takes to cross the fucking entry and to clear each room and methodically go through. And then the second or first guy puts up a little resistance, adds a little bit of time. And then the way that we are, the training we have, the familiarity with weapons that we have. And the amount and, of time we don't sleep. Yes. <laughs> um, like a situation like ours, and I'm not just talking about us, but I'm talking about people like us, people. And I'm not talking about just veterans. I'm talking about just people that have that kind of that kind of mindset, that kind of knowledge base, that kind of uh, familiarity with their weapons, and and honestly, the 
the they they may be very non-aggressive people, but they do have the capability of violence on that level, and they have an understanding of it. When the police hit something like that, it's a whole different fucking ball game. It's not just we smoke this this dude through his fucking his window and his fucking girlfriend got like you know just like told them where the traps are. Like it's fucking. I'm looking at what happened in Houston. You had no knock raid after no knock raid after no knock raid. Finally, they hit the wrong fucking house where a dude had that capability and he had that familiarity. Three or four cops got fucking dropped. And all of a sudden, the fucking mayor of Houston's like, yeah, we're not doing no knock raids anymore. Yeah. So, so it stopped no knock raids. But at the end of the day, what did the Houston PD do? They lied about them having yeah. drugs. Uh, and they're just now going through the court case of. Uh, I, I want to say a month ago because I've been following this for what, like a year. Two but how years many ago times? Can, but how many times can that veil last with those kinds of incidents? So, like, say five fucking, years ago. Yeah, go ahead. Five uh, years ago was when they threw a flashbang into a baby crib. God damn that fucking story. Five years ago, and there was nothing that happened within Georgia. So we we talk about like how long can we you know kill SWAT members who break into the the wrong house and until you're willing to do offensive operations which would be like the leadership saying the spark has happened uh you can play defense all day but what's really stopping them is the fact that they don't they lost four members who are no they're longer not combat ready they're not able to do the night raids the no yeah. knock raids anymore they're not, it's not and us. they're not scared yeah, it's not us being like, well, we dropped four of your dudes, and they're like, oh, well, this stops. It's them being like, we're no longer combat efficient. This yeah. is on pause. There's well, a big difference. There. I, th I honestly think that climate's changing, at least among the groups, especially a lot of the Virginia guys. Because those Virginia guys, like, they didn't, they didn't go out. They didn't want to start a boogaloo. Those, those Virginia rally guys. That was literally just a flex. Like, hey, like, this is going to be on news. It, it was a flex. It was a, this is what we got. Fuck you. Look at our numbers. Look how many of us you're going to have to go after. And they yeah, know, they, they know, they know what you're talking about. They know the gradual steps. They know that it's, it's small little things and it's going to take a final, like it's going to take a fucking stand where you force the state. See, the problem was, so you had like the Bundy ranch where like, yeah, they stood up and they pointed guns at feds, but the, they the didn't really have the up, backing. No, the, no, the it wasn't, either. it wasn't, it wasn't that it was the feds were able to, were able to kind of, create a situation they didn't put themselves into a situation where they had to go forward because if the feds had fucking gone forward into that that would have sparked like yeah. it's something different when the average american has to watch a fucking federal fucking agency and military style police have to get into a prolonged fucking battle with 300 fucking people the amount of force that it takes to fucking overwhelm that would be jaw-dropping to anybody in this fucking country and it would radicalize a lot of fucking people so they didn't but when well, and but even say, that itself say, radicalized people yeah it did it really did so when you have a situation when you finally do have a situation where the cops aren't able to take the the individual or the suspect or they're they're not able to red flag they actually red, try to red flag somebody that is semi-fucking prepared and they're not able to just run through the motherfucker because even swat and I can tell just from different videos and different things that I watch and research, those dudes aren't used to fucking getting hit back at. Like, they're used to fucking kind of storming through a fucking building. Yeah, maybe somebody tries to pull a pistol and they drop his ass. They're not used to a firefight. That's not their fucking shit. They're not, they're not about that life. If they get into a firefight and they get held off 
And now you're starting to see that groups and individuals are starting to set up mesh networks and fucking emergency lines. So say they get into a standoff with an individual and they fucking put out that mesh network or they put out an emergency line. What kind of situation does it create where they already can't take the fucking guy that they're fighting against because they're just not used to it and they're not they're not like the Marine Corps where they're like, yeah, point man, you're probably gonna die, but we're going through the fucking door. Let's do this. And the fucking private's like, I'm not gonna fucking die. Fuck you. And he just goes like, now they're in that situation. But now five people and, showed up, twenty and, people showed up, and they're surrounded. People. Yeah, and now you have all these fucking armed dudes that are watching what you're doing while you're in a gunfight with this guy. It's I think it's getting to that. It's getting yes. to that point. It's, it's getting, getting to that, that fucking point just based off different groups. Eventually, they like it's the government. They fuck up constantly. They're but I also fucking hit the wrong shit. They're gonna fuck with the wrong people, and they're gonna hit that fucking sweet spot. It happens well, I, all the time. I think the problem what's what, what it's going to, and what we could tie this back into the main subject, where we're we're looking for that culminating point yeah or that because we're talking about like leadership and things like that like the leader saying hey this is it like you hit the wrong house dude i like i'm not saying that we have this big ass fucking cloud or anything like that but you hit our house like there's going to be rifts in the community yeah you know what like, i mean we're, we're we're involved in our community here yeah, and i'm not gonna lie when i say that if you don't fucking kill me there's a good chance you're going to have 30 fucking people surrounding you by the end of the fucking day. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes back to where it's like, so that is the dichotomy that we have. So a dynamic of successful, of successful insurgency is leadership. You know, those people, I don't, but I don't think it has to be one leader. And I, I think it, I think to, at least with anarchism, the way that we talk about it, it has to be defensive or we're hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with the, the defense or we're hypocrites, but how long, do you how long can you let it last? And what, yeah, what are you going to consider a def What are you yeah, going to consider like, self defense of your like, rights? Like yeah. the guy in New Hampshire, the judge in New Hampshire, is that not defense of your rights? If you were, if someone other than myself uh, were to go after that guy who has taken down your, right to peaceably assemble for religious or political purposes as you know enumerated directly in the first amendment is that not defense of your rights like that's yeah i don't think you can go, i don't think you can go gun him down but as you but as you said but it's but the way you, said, you do it yeah but as you said also in the beginning of this before i, don't, I think before we recorded most of an insurgency battle is fucking a propaganda war like the, like honestly the reason why the United States hasn't just been kicked straight the fuck out of Iraq and Afghanistan is because Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are fucking pricks. That, and that's honestly why we've actually, uh, at least from, from my knowledge, you've actually seen the Taliban scale back fucking hits. Like, scale back kind of their fucking more, their more erratic violence. I mean, I think that's why ISIS got fucked so hard. Like, yeah, they swelled up and they fucking grew really quick, but they immediately got, like, they're fucking nothing all of a sudden. Like, they didn't last nearly as long as the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. And it's because, yeah, because they're on TV beheading people and raping entire fucking cities. Like, you don't win the populace that way. So that's why they, all of a sudden, yet, you don't have the popular support. All you have is your radical dipshits. And then you're also fighting your own national government and foreign governments and another foreign government and your own fucking people. And you have to try to police your own fucking cities that you take. And it just doesn't work that way. Perfect segue into ideology. Exactly why AQI lost is because they yeah. were 
were too violent. And, and like Luke just said, it, it's a great segue into ideology. Yeah. If you go from a, uh, a to what vice, a, a from what, um, I, that's, that's where I see the divide in ideology. And I, I got that, um, that di the difference from uh, actually an SAT question that I had uh, back when I was actually doing SATs, which we won't say how long ago that was because I don't like feeling old, but it was a while. And I got this stupid question about like, you know, uh, what are the benefits of progress vice, you know, staying in place for society? And pretty much what they wanted to say is like, moving forward is good because progress is progress. And that <laughs> makes people better. And just like Bernie bros jacking each other off. And uh, the, the anti-establishment vice, uh, you know, small L libertarian, which encompasses everything from, you know, libertarian to anarcho-capitalist. And, and that's where, uh, you know, you have to, to make your, your big tent, if you will, uh, of ideology is like within that small L libertarian. Because if you make it within the anti-establishment, and that's where, where Joe Rogan, uh, where I would put him, where he was all about Ron Paul, and now he's all about Bernie Sanders. And show me where on the fucking map those two align in any way, because they're both anti-establishment. I'll give you that because they're both saying like from what we should change, but the importance isn't from what the importance is to what, like, where are you going? Because if you're going high into the left and I'm going to have to call you comrade, once all this shit is done, I'm going to suck, start my sidearm right now. <laughs> like, that's, that's where, where we're ending. Uh, but the idea is that we, we get all these people together. And the, the reason that I, you know, didn't score well on the SAT question is because I looked at things like the Russian Revolution or the Iranian Revolution, where a lot of people got together and they said, this is a from what revolution, vice the American Revolution, where a lot of people got together and they said, we're going to make a minimalist federalist state uh, to, to, you know, replace what we have, but we're going to something. You look at the Iranian Revolution, uh, and there's a great graphic novel uh, about this um, that, for the life of me, I can't remember the name, but if you look up graphic novel Iranian Revolution, it'll be there for you. Uh, and all of these people came together and they, they said, you know, like, we can't subsist under this ideology any longer, which is true. Uh, but then it got replaced by this even more repressive ideology that they have there today. The same with Russia. They said, we can't resist or subsist under the czarist system any longer. And everybody got together and kicked the czars out. And then you have the communist state that exists for 80 years after that. Like, if you're not uh, being very discriminating about the people that you have, and again, I say this is a big tent, so you need to have everyone from the, I'm a libertarian, I want smaller government, to the I want no government at all, but at the same time, being sure you're not saying I just don't like the government, so I'm going to install one of my like socialist arms association or whatever the fuck they call themselves. But you you guys talk about how you know Jared is a a statist because he's a minarchist, and I love laughing about that when it happens. Sorry, Jared, but that, that's that's what you get. 
But at the end of the day, think about this like uh, somebody falling out of an airplane, right? Like the, the, the hard liberals will, will add weight and have you fall faster. Uh, the conservatives, if you will, uh, though they lack the, the basic definition, would give you a parachute so you fall slower. Um, but anybody that will add helium so you rise just a little bit is good. Like Ron Paul, at the end of the day, if you read Ron Paul's stuff, if you read Rand Paul's stuff, Justin Amash, uh, Massey, any of those guys, they still believe in an American state, but they believe in rising you up away from the ground, which is what you need to go for. So the, the ideology can't be purist, but it also can't be anti-establishment from what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we say that, we say that all the time where, I mean, it's the reason why we all get along so well. I don't necessarily agree with Jared on all points, but where do like a year ago, you were yelling at me that we needed a department it's, of education. It's been, it's, it's been longer than that now. All right. it's been longer than that now. But you know, but it's the same thing where it's like, I, there was just things that clicked in my head that I was just like, these are my, this is my line now, you know? And you're and where you had it, where it was like, this is my line. And that's kind of where we're at. But our lines are way past other people's lines that it doesn't <laughs> even fucking matter if we can't even get to your line to get yeah. to my line. Pretty much. It, exactly. Like, so as long as somebody just wants to make things better, like that's why I can't work with Republicans is because they – uh, they want to make things worse at a slower rate. That's the less right. Progressive it's, driving. It's so funny. Like yeah, the progressive drive. Yeah, it's yeah, the malice's malice's fucking like thing on that is perfect. They're literally progressive driving the speed limit. Yeah, I I don't care about the better of two goods as long as it is good, but I will not support the lesser of two evils because it is lesser than the other. That's a good quote. Fuck you, Captain Chris. You know I'm I'm. I hit gold from time to time. When you have me talking for, uh, you know, an hour and a half and probably an hour and a half more before this thing's all done, then uh, yeah, you'll get one or two good one-liners. <laughs> Accuracy <laughs> by volume. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, if that ain't the Marine Corps saying, then I don't know what it is because, like, it's not by accuracy because we're good at shooting. We just shoot a lot in a direction. and I blow up everything. But I, th I think – so, I mean, with this, so we were talking about the two and – from like th these are objectives and it's another one of our insurgency like successful insurgencies so i think we should go into that next okay uh yeah the third dynamic of a successful insurgency remember there can be a lot of dynamics of insurgency but these are the ones that make things work is objectives um and ensuring that they're realistic and achievable this can happen at all three levels. So again, the strategic, operational, and tactical. And I was actually uh, talking with Luke uh, on Facebook a while ago about how I saw the uh, Battle of Athens, which you, if you guys aren't familiar with, it, it's a great uh, you know, libertarian reading piece. And I have it in my phone every year to you know, salute the American flag for the one time I have to annually for the fact that uh, you know the Battle of Athens happened, and it was a small group of veterans that took up arms, like no shit, started shooting and throwing dynamite at their local police force because the police force had become tyrannical and started imposing uh, what would it, 
equate to taxes. They started fining them for bullshit reasons. And so they're like, no, we're not going to take this shit anymore. And they went through the democratic process initially, which I, I believe to democracy is cancer. But after the initial failure, they took up arms. They started shooting these guys, shooting at these guys, surrounded them, throwing dynamite at them until they had a small, uh, what would be kind of operational victory. And uh, when we were talking about leadership, this is one point I want to make is that leadership, you don't necessarily have to have the like nationwide leader of, of the Boogaloo, but you will still need like regional leadership to say like, hey, this is a line that has been crossed. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I love talking about New Hampshire because it is an incredible line that has been crossed, but nobody in New Hampshire, which is the live and or die state, yeah. seems to give a shit. And you, you think, especially with the people that live there, you know, the whole free state project and all, there would be a little bit more of an outcry there. Yeah, I, I actually have a friend who, um, I, I think he's in uh, in Boston now as a cop, but he, he was from New Hampshire and he was talking about all these crazy libertarians who were moving there. This was back when I was in the schoolhouse, so I was just you know beginning down my, my minarchist uh, road. But you would think that somebody would be like, no, this is, this is not right. But uh, you have to have your, you know, achievable, your milestones. It's, uh, we, we call them LOEs, uh, lows and lows. Um, and I, I've had about uh, eight shots by now. So forgive me for <laughs> I'm drinking, the I'm, I'm drinking the scotch you sent us. Yeah, so am I. I, 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 I... Well, I'm not drinking it straight. I made another one. Just I'm like halfway through the glass that I that I poured straight, and I finished so, the glass before. You you have to have these benchmarks along the way, and those tactical benchmarks achieve operational objectives that achieve the overall strategic goal, right? So, when when you talk about like the Battle of Athens, and you talk about that win, that would be a tactical win in an overall operation or even a, an operational goal. Because once you t start talking about uh, insurgencies, those circles of strategic operational and tactical become much more like a, an overlapping Venn diagram where you can do something tactically that will have a strategic impact. So right. it's much, it's m much more compressed. Uh, so being able to do something, you have to be able to see what's achievable and what's realistic. Because at the end of the day, if we were to have another battle of Athens tomorrow that succeeded, that wouldn't win the Boogaloo. That would just be a spark that the national government would be like, well, send in the fucking National Guard. But it would it would make people aware, right? So right. You, you have to understand where you are in the hierarchy and how you can support the higher piece of that hierarchy. Because if you're not looking towards... Like, what am I doing to support strategy? What you're doing may end up hurting strategy. Right, and gonna... I was just going to say, it goes back to the ideology. Where are we going to? Like, we got to be... Exactly. Uh, the way it was explained to me is like the, the eating an elephant thing. Like, you're not going to sit down and eat a fucking elephant. You're not going to go into uh, Afghanistan and, you know, win over the populace toward uh, a Western democratic republic what are you talking about dude george bush said in and out like your tops yeah i, I know i saw him on that uh, aircraft carrier with the uh, mission accomplished flag like <laughs> mission we, accomplished. we won right <laughs> yeah we <laughs> fucking won dude 
So at, at the end of the day, you have to like take your meals uh, to be able to consume the elephant. When one group goes in and they're able to eat like below the knee on one of the legs, like that's that's a fucking win. So you can't look at the entirety of the elephant. You have to look at your tactical piece, but you have to ensure that your tactical piece is nested. And I'm going to keep using that word because that's a word that uh, JSOU kept on feeding to me. It's nested within higher. If you guys need to understand nesting better, uh, joint pub or JP five tax zero, that's joint planning. Uh, that's the uh, and all these all these joint pubs that he that he references they're they're public knowledge like you can literally Google them so yeah, fucking yeah. buddy I mean it's not the three sixteen dot six but you know all right we're not in a dick showing contest on who knows the most pubs because Jared he's gonna beat you yeah at the, at the end of the day I don't think we're gonna be able to uh, get much error or RD fire support fuck you. So uh, we, we I'm going to the National to Guard Armory and stealing 81 millimeter borders. Eat a dick. We're gonna fucking fucking. I'll be relevant again. Yeah, we might we might get an 81. We might get a 60, but we're not getting God's gun and uh. seven. So uh, yeah, <laughs> God's expectation gun, management. <laughs> hey, dude, fucking king of battle, raw. Ooh, raw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, uh, that's all right. That's eight. Uh, <laughs> to, um, hey, one more for Chessie, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey uh, cheers. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, while we're here, can, can you make me another double? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Yo, wait, has she been here the entire time? Is she listening? No, so I have headphones on, so you guys don't get feedback. Oh. So, yeah, I, I promised her, though, the second it got it dropped, and you're going to have to send me a message uh, that I'd let her know. Okay. And for everyone who is out there, since we don't record video, there's actually two German Shepherd puppies on the far side <laughs> of this VTC. That I, I'm a dog person, so I'm just in love with both of them. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go get that boy. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're fucking being they're assholes. Well, they're, they're actually being assholes. they're being really good right now. Surprisingly, right. like mine's yeah. three months old and she's just she's chilling. watching TV. Mikey's yeah, she, Mikey's past this point, dude. He's like fucking. This is no, normal he's, for me. He's, he's staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, so we're moving on to environment, environment. and geography. Exactly. And we're gonna talk about comsec. That's my that's my field. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so if we can quickly, uh, so you're, you're a calm Marine, correct? Or yes. We're a calm Marine. Okay. Yeah. Jerry? What's a Marine? Always a Marine. Shut the yeah, fuck so up, Jay. I, I actually, I, I posted something about that earlier. There was a Marine dancing around with a Hawaiian shirt, his kid on, waving his rifle like a maniac and had Marpats on. And I'm like, oh man, that, that's a Marine. And <laughs> when they say once a Marine, always a Marine, they think they it means like, disciplined and honorable but no. no it it means like you're a drunk who's willing to have fun <laughs> that's, that's what being a marine truly is yes yes absolutely that is exactly what a marine I'm is i'm going to get through this corona apocalypse drunk like i'm fucking cheers mates do this it's a, that's the second time you said cheers in 5 minutes we're fucked <laughs> ah shit <laughs> i i she took away both of my glasses. I was, you know, kind of rolling between one, and while that was being finished, she would refill the other. 
but I, I have nothing right now. So we'll go into environment and geography. So right now, the, the boogaloo is extremely dispersed, right? So that's both a pro and a con. Because a pro side, so we'll cover, cover that first. We were talking about the cellular, organic, like it'll kind of happen on its own, small unit structure. If you have four or five friends that you're able to boogaloo with, like fire team reinforced, like the damage you can do, both, you know, like, we'll call it good damage you can do that's <laughs> not necessarily going to turn everyone against you is extraordinary. If you know what you're doing, if you can run a gun, if you look up how to, you know, make a Molotov cocktail or thermite, not that you should do that, but if you did, <laughs> the amount that you can uh, succeed with those uh, is incredible. I saw something on, on the internet the other day about somebody uh, dropping caltrops in front of a uh, police department, uh, like the motor T for a police department, and like every car that went through was getting four flat tires. Like you can do that with one person. Imagine what you can do if you have somebody watching your back. Like yeah, five people, you can clear an yeah. entire building. That's it's something Pat. That's something Pat uh, brought up when we did our uh, boob tactics, our last boob tactics episode. We had Pat on from Uncensored Tact, and uh, like he brought up shit like. Hey, man, you know, that major highway that goes through that stretch of country, it'd be a real fucking shame if somebody just, like, you know, chopped down a giant oak tree around it. Yeah, so, again, there's there's a balance there because, yeah, major highway, you're shutting it down. You stop uh, National Guard forces from reinforcing. You're also stopping uh, trucking and the movement of the population. So if you piss off the populace, again, that's, that's uh, not the end state. Mao mm. talks a little bit. Um, and for, for a disclaimer, I, I hate Mao, I hate Jay, Che Guevara because they're both, you know, communist assholes. But they, insurgencies, like I was saying earlier, usually stem from a very centralized form. One of my so, favorite, one of my favorite quotes is from Mao Zedong. Uh, All power comes out of the barrel of a gun. That's not untrue um yeah no yeah it's a very fucking true statement i like fucking with people and being like all barrel comes uh, all power comes out of the barrel of a gun and they kind of look at me i'm like guess who that quote's from and they'll be like thomas jefferson i'm like nope mazadon <laughs> there's there's something to be said for uh, the pen is mightier than the sword because io in the modern battlefield um Ch china people say they're great out it russia is incredible um, at, at IO, like information operations. I've explained the acronym before. If you missed it, that's on you. Uh, <laughs> like, the ability to like change people's minds. Um, Churchill said that the, uh, a lie has made it halfway uh, across the world before the truth has put its pants on. Like that's, that's true. Like the ability to you know, win over hearts and minds, like if it's through a lie or if it's through the truth, like the barrel of a gun can do a lot, but if you're pissing off the population, uh, Mao would say that the short-term goal is to get the population like against the enemy, uh, which a lot of the times to him would mean very tyrannical means. Mm -hmm. uh, same with Che Guevara, whose book I haven't read, but if you look at his history, he was kind of an incompetent ass the second he left Cuba. So I try and kind of... I, I hate Che with a, a burning passion. So uh, so you look at these people who are, who are talking about winning over the population, 
but really what they're doing is just making it more despotic. Uh, that, that's what we call the like stronger force, uh, which the counterinsurgency forces in Afghanistan talked about, like America coming in and installing a government that was a stronger, stronger force, and that would bring people over to the stronger force because you know we show how strong we are at leadership, and people will follow. Uh, but really what you want to do is be the force that people actually want to join, not out of fear, but out of, you know, like a belief. Out of want. Yeah, but out of want. Like, uh, that's one thing about the Taliban is they, they didn't just win people over out of, like, fear, but no. they were actually uh, installing courts. Yep. And they were getting rid of the opium trade before it benefited them to have the opium trade. The, the, the like, Taliban The Taliban is the most pro-woman's rights organization in that entire country. It's, the, the Taliban had a system that people wanted to be a part of. Yep. And, like, and we, yeah. we moved in, and there, there were a lot of people that were hurt. And I'm not in any way advocating for the Taliban. They are a horribly dysfunctional Oh, yeah, they're still shit, yeah. Yeah, comparing but, comparing the Taliban to the rest of that fucking country is like to comparing like polished shit to shit. Like it's yeah, fucking, exactly, yeah. and, and and that's that's the problem is you have to not only be a, you know not only have to be something that the populace is willing to work with, but uh, something that the populace wants to work with. And mm-hmm. Till Colin talks a little bit, uh, and the reason I read Coin is I, I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of a book called Upstream. It's an old, uh, I, I say old because it came out when I was in college. So it's a, a book that came out about the like. Uh, oh, you broke up. We lost you. We lost you. I think some got unplugged. Chris. That's what it sounded like. Captain Chris. Yeah, there oh, we go. There you are. Oh, okay. there, you're back. We'll, we'll edit that out in post. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not up. editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, we're yeah, keeping I, that I, in too. Yeah. <laughs> I've said like uh, three times, it. like we're editing that out in post. And I, <laughs> I expect my last name and everything to be in there in post and just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get those out. I'll get those out. I it's just going to be a beep. I'm going to be like ASAP. I'm going to be, I'm going to be like saying what, cause it's me that does it. So it's going to be me just being like, blah, 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 blah. And then it's beep. All right. And then we, we'll move on. That's yeah, what, that's I, what I'm, editing out and post. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll try and come back on topic. Cause I'm about to, we'll, we'll say nine deep at this point. So uh, environment and geography, the, the downside of dispersion goes back to uh, to leadership. Like it's hard to form a unified force when everybody is all over the place. But if you can get five guys together, and I think I, I earlier mixed up uh, whiskey and rebellion with the guy who was a, a former cop who came in and started Pat. talking about. Yeah, I, and he I I loved his thing, but it I'm I'm not in any way denigrating the importance of tactics. But you can't have tactics without nesting, again, there's that word, within operations and strategy. So I'm just trying to give people the... the you're trying to connect them. Like you're to, trying, trying to, you're trying to, to marry get, them together. We need to get Pat and Captain Chris on the same episode. I know, dude. I think you guys would get along so fucking right? well. That'd be and, a fucking... We wouldn't I, even say shit. We just love yeah, those two fucking Actually, know. yeah. We'll just do a <laughs> podcast where we'll bring you guys together and we'll release it. But we'll just sit in the background. I'll do the introduction. 
Jared and Typo will be like, yeah, we're here. And then we'll just let you guys talk. <laughs> I, I actually tell people it's uh, whenever we have to do any sort of like presentation, like, yeah, I can do it. The tricky part isn't getting me to talk. The tricky part is getting me to shut up once I start talking. Yeah. So, Dude, honestly, sure. those those are the best guests because it's less work for us and everything. Yeah, yeah you can just sit back and drink, right? Yeah, like, yeah I, exactly. I have to drink in between my breaths. It's, I'm getting I'm getting an early version of my own episode. <laughs> yeah, I actually have to go to work tomorrow, hungover. So thanks a lot, guys. Hashtag me too, buddy. <laughs> okay, so Tomsek. Um, and I know you guys hit on this a little bit in your last podcast, and I'm going to keep on referencing your guys' former podcast. So anybody who I was able to pull over goes back and actually looks at them because they're, they're pretty good. Uh, Comsec is, I, I love being part of these Facebook groups at the extremely tactical level when like somebody is like, you know, what optics should I get? And you know, which is better, 300 blackout or 556? Five, five, what pack should I run? What uh, plate carrier should I get? Steel or, or you know, the ceramics? I, I love playing Bulu from the most basic hand-in-the-dirt tactical to the most strategic planner. But uh, at, at the end of the day, like, Comsec is one thing that I feel like people don't consider when they're going on on Facebook, like right now, if if we were to kick off a boogaloo tomorrow, all four of us would be very, very fucked. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's yeah. no better way to put that because, like, we we went out and said, like, and again, I haven't said that I support. <laughs> if, I, if, I'm, if I'm if my ass is not at the top of the fucking swatting list in the event of a civil unrest, I'm gonna be fucking disappointed in myself. I try, well, but you need those. You need those people. You need those people, and that's kind exactly. of the role that and we take. You just say, you say I need to die. We no, no, not <laughs> you specifically. We need martyrs. We, in we need martyrs. <laughs> you, need, you need like to do this thing. You need people to talk about these things and yeah, exactly. to be the ones that get fucked up. You know, exactly. And we'll get into that a little bit with the components of the insurgency if we ever get through dynamics of us insurgency that's that's a big if at this point but when we were talking or when you guys were talking about uh lemp and he was putting together the you know boogaloo dot oh what was that uh because i know you guys were more familiar yeah it was the 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 boogaloo dot network it was his it was a network of uh second amendment you know pro second amendment people but it was all anonymous for those people to talk about in a forum <laughs> exactly so uh if you could get people together like that, and that goes back somewhat to uh, leadership, and we'll see a little bit more in uh, the uh, organizational operational platforms how that all works out. But if you go on Facebook and, uh, like I did, drop a bunch of information about people for the police department that actually like went into his house, like if I were to go and, you know, like, and I'm saying very hypothetically, I'm not planning on driving up to Maryland anytime soon. If I were to go and do a boogaloo red flag on these people, I would probably be at the top of the police questioning list, and rightfully so. Because I say, like, hey, somebody needs to, uh, you know, retort in kind. Uh, they're going to be like, hey, who would retort in kind? <laughs> if you say that, then you're kind of uh, providing that to the other, the other people. So... 
a, a lot of people, if, if you put yourself out in that manner, you, you just need to watch what you say. And uh, like at the end, you guys always say where you guys can find you on Twitter. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about a couple different ways that I could move into Twitter or YouTube to start, you know, uh, get on Twitter. We need you on Twitter. Get on Twitter. Whiskey yeah. and Rebellion's fucking anonymous, dude. Yeah, it, fucking. It, it, yeah, whiskey. Exactly. And and that works for him, but not not to get into the TS side of things because that 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 would get me fired. And I'm fiance over here who understands the IC better than I do. Uh, the <laughs> community would would warn me of it. But like, if you work around them for a while, you understand like their capabilities. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're using your laptop for your, you're not as anonymous. Yeah, you're you're not anonymous at all. Like, yeah, I, correct. Give me uh, whatever it's called that um, uh, uh, that moves your location around. I have private the internet VPNs? access. Yeah, VPN. Thank you. My VPN is private internet access uh, manager. And, but like, if you're using the same system, that's it's that's easier. Yeah. So it's like at, at the end of the day, if you want to be functional, you're going to have to have your own system on its mm -hmm. own VPN uh, with the camera covered. And you're going to have to be using something that isn't your own IP. So you better find a Starbucks without a camera in it. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people are, are talking about this, but, or, and by this, I mean the Boogaloo, I'm, I'm not talking about Comsec, but they're not, Comsec savvy. Exactly. Uh, so, oh. Most so like most of the like I already knew this. Like it's the same way as like I already like know I'm on a fucking list. It's like most of the guys that like keep super anonymous on Twitter, like odd honestly, like the only reason we don't get our last names is we just don't want the typical fucking dipshit fucking crazy fucking leftist to call like our bosses and shit. Yeah. But it, like it, but like I fully know like if the government wants to look at my fucking Twitter and find out who I am, it's pretty fucking easy. Yeah. Dude, literally yeah, we did not in... take any precautions. Like we, we no, kind of, I don't want to like yeah. fucking prove the only thing you do by fucking kicking in my door and killing me is proving my point. Yeah. And I'm that petty. So I win. And yeah, exactly. I win at that point. Like I proved, <laughs> I proved myself right. So the Taliban didn't do it. So I guess you did. I don't give a like fuck. Like you type in the podcast and you type in my name and they're tied together. So it's like, yeah. like my yeah. full name. So, or like one or the other, because it's tied to my Facebook. Like it, it's whatever oh. at this point for me. So also guys, um, apparently uh, E-Militia tested it. If you want Spotify and go to the playlist, like uh, your podcast, like playlist, and you type Boogaloo in the search engine, we're like number three on the list. <laughs> oh, shit. Are we really? Yeah, because we, have an awesome. because we have an episode called The Boogaloo. Well, I like, think we have two. We have The yeah. Boogaloo and then Boogaloo Tactics. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, like, we can call this Boog Strategy. We're, yeah. You know, we're covering it. Yeah. Make sure you type out Boogaloo, though, so that when the Google search happens, yeah. they know. I yeah. want the government to know. Like I said, dude, like uh, – when you look at different things with the government and everything, like it's something that uh, we've tried to push to like, especially combat vets and shit like that. A lot is like, motherfucker, you're already on a list. The government already doesn't like you. Like fucking don't like them back. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but if, like, if anything, if we get swatted, we'll be that spark. Yeah. Like, I think we could be at least a little spark on the hits of Flint well, no, to start the fire. Well, it's like we talked about with the whole, after when we talked about Duncan Lamp, it's like more and more the way the police actually snowballs. conduct their fucking, their actual tactical activities. It's like, 
either way, I'm probably going to get fucking shot. So, like... Fuck it. But fuck it, dude. Yeah, Just but fuck like, it. You're kind of putting me in a corner here, guys. Like, you're not giving me a lot of peaceful solutions. Yeah, exactly. And All right, the, I need to... Yeah, well, that's, go ahead. That, that's in the scenario that, you know... They fucking like kick in my door or whatever. Which that's I, if that's if they become authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, if they become authoritarian, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm I, I need to make another drink. Um, but we need to start on external support. Oh, uh, he just sent a he just sent a thing. You want to? Oh. Take oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You want to yeah, take yeah. a quick quick five real quick since this is gonna be a long one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, if you enjoy the show and get a lot out of it. Consider supporting us at patreon.com slash biting the bullet. There's a $2 level on there that if a quarter of you did, we could get drunk on beer. We could get beer for the next week. If half of you did, we could get hookers and blow for the Boogaloo Boys each month. So consider donating to us at patreon.com slash biting the bullet. Thank you very much. The year I turned 30, like, I just started, like, slowing down. And I'm like, what the, what the? Fuck. <laughs> I, I was never like physical Adonis or anything. Like I went through like IOC and Intel school with some dudes who were like, you know, recon Marsoc all-stars. And then like, I, I was never there, but at 30, I just like hit a fuck. Like I'm assuming there's fucking feds. So, so on, on my last deployment, I actually worked with uh, <coughs> some like, well, it was a, a JIADF, which uh, is like Joint Interagency Task Force. So we we had everybody from like uh, Homeland Security, FBI, to like you know people who actually yeah. do shit worth a damn. But like I I made a friend with uh, this guy named Stu who was in like I, he's got to be probably mid forties, like FBI guy, but he's more on the like Intel side of FBI, like tracking yeah. down people who are actually bad vice you're like hey we're gonna come red flag you because we're assholes guy and like that's what i mean by like i i hate the phrase a cab because like i i think jared you said your brother because typo you don't have a brother and luke i recognize your voice <laughs> uh, like, like, no offense typo jared you guys your guys's voices are a lot alike and typo, oh, 100%, yeah. say anything so it's, it's <laughs> easy to tell the difference there <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, like there, there is a purpose for these agencies. It's just once they right. overstep their bounds, that no, I'm, I'm not like, even. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a part of the ACAB crew. Like I view it. The yeah, no, same fuck way that. As I view it honestly the same way as I do the military, where you do have really, you do have really good cops that join for the right reasons. Exactly. But but trust me, in like four or five years, they're probably not cops anymore. They're probably fucking off doing other shit. And, and I don't think, uh, sorry, what was his name? Not Whiskey and Rebellion, but the one who talked about uh, the tactics of the book. Yeah, uh, it Pat, Pat. It's, it's Pat. Pat. It's Pat from uh, Uncensored Tactical. He runs Uncensored Tactical. Okay, yeah. so yeah, I remember remember Pat. I don't remember Uncensored Tactical. Uh, no, but yeah. yeah, so he, uh, like the, the guy I was talking about who I follow because I'm a gun guy, like, he runs great guns and somebody posted a video about like cops just beating the shit out of somebody who is handcuffed. And he's like, this is fucked up. And he's a SWAT guy. And yeah. he's just like, you know, this is fucked up. Like there's no excuse for this. Like, happened, I understand happened, people. Yeah. It happened at the UPS shooting, dude. Like after that UPS shooting, I've never seen more cops on Twitter being like, 
Because you'd have, like, the thin blue liners. Of, like, you don't know the whole story. And I saw actual, like, police officers that are like, no, dude, shut the fuck up. This is fucked. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and that's the thing. If you say ACAB, because these guys, because the, the entire idea of ACAB is, like, these guys aren't getting rid of the people in their midst. Mits. And, and you're like, well, you know, these people, like, what, what you need to do instead of saying, like, this entire group of human beings is entirely fucked, because that means that the entire group will be against you, what you need to do is advocate for the, even if it is 5%, advocate for that small portion and be like, all of you guys need to be like this small portion and denigrate the 95% that are, yeah. that are different. And, and I, I, feel I, think, like, I, I think a lot of ANCAPs get lost at that 5% portion because they like, oh, yeah. you know, th these cops, they, th it's like, yeah, that 5% rotation, that 5% portion rotates in and out. Like, yeah. you're, like, you're going to have it because they don't last. The same thing as, as we talked about with uh, the Marine Corps is like, I mean, no, no offense, Captain Chris. But uh, it's like most guys after their first enlistment, like most of the guys that are worth a shit fucking leave. Like exactly. they just, they, and, and they, they fucking head out. And you can tell because the Marine Corps especially is fucking bleeding numbers all the time. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like the Marine Corps is better, but it also bleeds faster because it's better. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I stay in because, you know, they talk about like Sergeant Majors being in like, well, why don't you stay in long enough to change it or some shit like that? Like, if I can get to the strategic level where I'm like, hey, this is fucked. And that, that's the thing. I just came back from a um, special operations planners course, uh, SOPC, at, at JSOU, Joint Special Operations University, where they're, like, teaching special operations, like, strategic operational level. Yeah. And those people were like, yeah, we went into Iraq and we didn't know like what the fuck our like end state was. Yeah. Which is like and, and they what they do is they teach all of their students like you need to have an end state before you start. You need to know what is what you're going for before you begin. And if I can stay in long enough to just like pervert, I guess not in like the the sick sense, but like just warp the sense of the military I, and that's one of the reasons, sorry, I have this little Yorkie walking around at my feet and trying to make sure <laughs> piss on anything. But if I can warp the like next generation of the Marine Corps to the degree that they question their authority, because one of my favorite things is the Nuremberg trials. When you look at those, yeah. like, you can't just say like my boss told me to, mm -hmm. but like if I can do that for the marines under my stead and like if i go to tbs and i'm a company commander and i have like 300 dudes who are going to graduate under under me and i'm just like hey like fuck this shit like, imagine <laughs> the impact that happens like that was if you guys read uh, one bullet away by um fuck, uh Whoever the fuck what wrote one bullet away? Get a little tipsy there, are you, Captain? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm uh, ten going on twelve at this All point. Right. Hey, so. fucking, hey, fucking Ross, sir. Um, <laughs> so, no, and yeah. so, and, and, hang on, say, um, like the Virginia rally actually proved proved my point because a lot of guys they no. they view uh, a lot of ANCAPs they view cops in the military as exactly the same, um, and. Oh. Some that we've tried to do, and some that I've especially tried to do, is yeah. try to point out, especially in the realm of like a boogaloo or an insurgency yeah. or something like that. It's like, Stay. 
you know the government like runs like simulations on this shit like they have projected defection rates and i promise you the military is like a lot fucking higher than the actual police forces are um like uh, it happened at the virginia rally actually there was fucking a bunch of leaks there was guys in the national guard they actually flew fucking surveillance over that fucking rally I, I and, feel like we need to record this because. Oh no, like, it will be. It's still being. It's, it's still being recorded. Look, look still at your top re- left corner. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Like the problem is, we have these great conversations, and we're like, oh, once we're start recording again. We'll <laughs> no, we're back. good. We're good, dude. It's yeah, I've I, I recorded. I, I've been recording this part, Luke, so we're Luke, good. Luke, Luke will edit out all the pause and everything. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> the freaking but, dude, there was guys in that National Guard unit that leaked that shit. They just straight told all those fucking boys because those are their fucking neighbors. They straight told yeah. all those fucking boys. They were like, hey, man, I'm just saying at a certain time at this location, we're going to be fucking surveying this portion of whatever city and then shifting to this section and then this section and yada, yada, yada. And it got leaked. I, it came up on Discord. It came up on fucking Twitter. It came up on a bunch of little Instagram fucking group chats. Like that shit will get leaked. And, and it's something that you see in most civil conflicts where – the actual like military force. Not a lot of people realize like how, how propaganda works. Like you can only really, really focus propaganda towards like one enemy. Cops, it's you. Like that's that's just how it is. Like cops, they they propagandize. Like I've had multiple police officers, even my own brother Pat. Like in police academy, they'll just straight show you fucking how they used to show us like fucking moto videos in boot camp and shit of fucking us blowing shit up. We're like, yeah, get some. Like they show cops like fucking showing up to a traffic stop and they just show them a bunch of videos of cops getting shot and fucking shit like that and they they kind of propagandize those people towards war against the populace the military is not propagandized against its fucking own populace it's propagandized to kill illiterate fucking goat farmers in the middle well, east the, the the military isn't built to be no. a like even though we say um you know foreign and domestic like yeah you, you start talking domestic like that's one reason I, I joined the military. Well, when I joined the military, I was a much different person. I had different, you know, beliefs. Same. I, I mean, like, yeah, same, same, bro. I <laughs> never wanted to be a force that was oppressing uh, the people of the United States. No, like, absolutely. You joined, one thing you joined I to protect about the, the freedoms of the people. You, exactly. You joined, it's like, I'm, them, yeah. I'm a, a fucking Judge Napolitano. If you guys yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. he, one of the few libertarian voices on the mainstream media who said, like, I got paid by the federal government, but I worked for the Constitution. And that's what I tell myself daily. Is yeah. like, yeah, I get paid by the federal government, but the second that they tell me, like, you, you're going out to ensure that people can't gather in groups of 10 or more, like, Man, I'm rolling fat frag into my CEO's boardroom. Like, I promise, like, with everything that's going on with coronavirus and everything, like, the National Guard, if the National Guard's used to enforce, like, curfews and shit like that, and somebody actually shoots back, a lot of those National Guard guys are not going to be very keen to fucking, like, fight your back. neighbor. Like, you're, maybe in that situation, that first spark point, yeah. Just because of the effects of one dude shooting, like it, it's that spiraling out of control factor. But um, like a lot of those guys are gonna look back on that and be like, "That was fucked." Like, oh yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, it's like like and people like to try to point at things like, "Oh, like Hurricane Katrina," and they're yeah, because you didn't have anybody that fucking actually fought back. 
Yeah, like, no, you, and well, yeah, because they were just so if, decimated. If you put those dudes in a corner where they have to fucking shoot at people and they have to fucking kill people, that that's a whole different fucking dynamic. And that's weapons what, and people. And it's funny because even Scott Horton on uh, he was on part of the problem. Scott Horton actually fucking brought up like because everybody's like, oh, martial law, martial law. He's like. I don't think the U.S. military is very keen. They, exactly. they, so, they don't want martial law. The U.S. military does not want to fucking control America. They do not want to control that shit show. I know I know. Typo knows this, but uh, I, I love harking back onto, like, I went to IOC. That's actually what my <laughs> fucking Pang's placard said. It was, like, I went to IOC. I, I think it was actually <laughs> some gay shit, like, uh, the laminator is down, but one that they gave me. <laughs> And that's what matters to me. Uh, but like at IOC, they they had these things called um, um, MTDG. So a, a TDG is a tactical decision game. It's like putting you in a scenario like what now, Lieutenant? And MTDG is a moral tactical decision game. So they gave us this paper, and it was you know Katrina, Louisiana, and like hey, uh, you know they. They've ordered you to do X, Y, and Z. And understanding that Katrina is the National Guard, they work under different authorities. They are not the national military. They yeah. don't exist under Executive Order 12333 about like, intelligence oversight, any of those things. They're a different force that I don't understand. I don't claim to understand. They are different. But the decision game they gave us was like, you're here. They have ordered you to do X, Y, and Z. Like, you're collecting weapons, you're doing it, this. And they give us, like, five minutes to, like, array our troops and all this shit. And I just, like, put the paper down. End of five minutes, they're like, okay, what did you come up with? And the first thing I said was, like, hey, have we suspended the fucking Constitution? Because, like, <laughs> habeas corpus said an amendment. Like, these things exist. And I, I think I kind of, I, I don't want to say game the game, but, like, I won the game, I guess, because they're like, yeah, we don't do that shit. Like, the Marine Corps <laughs> is not going to be the force that uh, right. ignores the Constitution and just does what we're told. The amount, like, of, the amount of legal loopholes that the government set up in, 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 in and of itself that the people <laughs> recognize, it's already happening, that the people recognize. And then not to mention, like, there is a very stark difference between your militarized police force and the fucking Marine Corps rolling down your fucking shit. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, there was a very and you ask the common fucking man, like the common average Joe in this fucking country, what he views more is like, what the fuck? It's going to be that Marine Corps unit. Like, yeah. like people already freak out about the National Guard, and these bitches just rolling in with fucking like thirty year old Humvees. They're like, they're fucking tanks. It's like, no, dude, trust me. Like, like you don't want like you'll know if the I fucking just want to point if out the Marine Corps. Marine Corps is not going to be rolling in there with tanks anymore either. Fuck you, tankers. But, uh, <laughs> like, it's something that even I brought back from when the whole, uh, I think it was the Ferguson riots were happening. And, like, some, some news agencies were talking about, we need to activate because there's a Marine Reserve unit that was up there somewhere. We're like, we need to activate this Marine Reserve unit and put him through the town. And a bunch of us were like, you don't want that, bro. You think cops are bad? Holy fuck. Like, you don't know. You don't want that. Like, the absolute just... For one, like, you're going to have most... Look of what we guys. did in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's not only that, but it's like, most of those guys, like, they do know what they're capable of. They do know what... Like, they're fucking... 
they're the Marine Corps. You're fucking shock infantry. You're fucking kicking the fucking door and kill everybody. And now somebody's telling you you're going to patrol an American neighborhood and do that. Like, yeah, is it like mm-hmm. after, after the Boston uh, bombing, like at, at the uh, Boston Marathon? Yeah. Like you start rolling through like MRAPs through people's towns and you're just like, that, whoa, what, what the fuck just happened? Gun sales so, just spiked. Like, instantly. Yeah, so you I'm do in something the middle like of a fucking AR build right now and it's fucking impossible. <laughs> not, not to act like my problems are bigger than America, but. Jesus, guys. I, like, what the <laughs> fuck? I was building my dream gun, you assholes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you bitches I, didn't have guns yet? What the fuck? No, no, I, I had... I have guns. Well, no, I'm talking guns. about all the dickheads that, that bought up all the shit and diminished so your supply. There was actually a pretty good article from... Uh, I want to say it was Recoil about, like, how to panic buy a gun, which is <laughs> pretty good, like line on a uh, headline on that but it, they were talking about like if you're going to buy an ar don't buy other than x y and z if you're gonna buy an ak don't buy other than x y and z or the mags you buy shit like that and it kind of sounded elitist because like when you start saying like if you're gonna buy an ar only buy like bcm or uh like daniel defense or shit like that and you're like i oh, I, so- I i tell a lot of people to go for fucking for air 15s i tell a lot of people to go for smith and Wesson well yeah Ford. but he was he was saying like yeah. this that's what that article is saying yeah fuck them <laughs> and so yeah in the last episode which one of you has the ak because, what's up jared. that's jared okay, so, mongoose actual yeah so i i have i have one not not here and i'm a believer in the ak uh but the, the power behind the round doesn't make it necessarily a good home defense round. Like if you can get a fifty grain, my AR my AK round, is not home for home defense. Oh, okay. Well, then you do you. <laughs> <laughs> like I have, I have just my I have my handgun. My handguns. If somebody if somebody bumps around in the middle of the night, or I haven't I have a handgun for that. My AK so, is not is not. Yeah, for that, that's another thing they say in the article is like if you don't know guns, don't buy a handgun because uh, handguns are rough. Yeah, dude, like, honestly, I'm, like ha- like dude, like I can I'm a surgeon with a fucking rifle. Yo, I get fucking shit handgun? on for my Springfield XCM, and I love <laughs> that fucking gun. But I don't if, care. If, but like yeah, a handgun, I'm like, I works. hit like a handgun, I hit center mass at like twenty feet. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> like this, this what you're aiming for, right? Just hit them in the plate until they can't breathe, like, and come back and finish. <laughs> like exactly. AK, like eight, like with my fucking AK, I'm sitting there putting like controlled pair through the chest, doing like one to the head, doing like fucking rapid like moving fire towards the kneel. Like all this other shit, handgun. I'm like, pew pew pew. Did I hit a little bit? All right, we're good. Fuck yeah, man. Fucking holster that bitch. Do you guys know uh, Haley Strategic? Uh, sounds heard? familiar. It sounds like something I fucking scrolled across at one point. Okay, well, you guys are in Mesa. Uh, fuck, I can't allegedly. Remember the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, allegedly at this at this point, allegedly, really. Yeah, we pretty much say every episode we're in I, Mesa, like so. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, we're here. Honestly, I'm a little scared of Mesa PD. Those dudes are a little fucking. Yeah, for crazy. real though. <laughs> okay, just, just give me. They a did second. kill a man on his knees crying. Like, uh, uh was that? Daniel Schaefer. Yeah, Daniel Schaefer. That was Mason PD. We, we talk about like, hey, when are we gonna kick off? Like, what, what the fuck? Like, Mason. <laughs> that was a good point. <laughs> that was like begging for his life, trying to. We weren't in Mesa yet. We weren't in Mesa <laughs> yet. Of Simon says. We just like, heard about that happening, and it was like 
then we're going to move to Mesa. Like, that's a good idea. Like, after we started our libertarian podcast, Shooting on Cops, we're going to move to Mesa. We're like, yeah, we oh, yeah, that's, this is a great idea. Let's go to the place where they shot a man on his knees begging for his life. Because he, he, he had an air rifle. Yeah, How I mean, they're going to swoop. From, uh, from Scottsdale. Is that, like, way out of Arizona? No, no, it's no. literally, like, no. 15 minutes down the road. Oh, okay, good, good to go. So, uh, Haley Strategic. Good to go. Former Marine, former a tavern. Marine. He, he's like one of the best trainers out there, and he does uh, a, he so MTT mobile training team. He goes around the country training people on like you know pistol, AR, AK uh, stuff like that. But he's based out of Scottsdale, so if if I ever go to one of his training things, I'll bring you guys along with me. We'll have a, a great time. That's actually what I was going to do for my bachelor party was like a, a training thing and then i yeah my so get this my wedding was going to be april 17th in washington, washington oh god State. yeah you know what happened to that shit the fucking government shut down my fucking wedding you want to hear how pissed i am about corona do you know how long it takes to plan a fucking wedding like, the venue, all that shit, you have to get on fucking line, and they're just like, no more than ten people in one place at a time. Like, I, we weren't gonna have a big fucking wedding, but it was gonna be more than ten fucking people. Hey, tell like, yourself you get, you're free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get me, my fiance, and the guy holding the fucking wedding together, plus the two mandatory people that are there to actually observe the wedding. You have five family and friends <laughs> we weren't gonna hit like the 2000 person wedding we're not fucking royals but at the end of the day we were gonna get a little bit bigger than 10 people <laughs> <laughs> okay so is now a good time to roll back into the yeah yeah, yeah perfect time perfect. Um, ex- external external support and safe haven yo, and funding Trichy's tri- uh, wedding got canceled too yeah. yeah like, so one of my my best man actually had a, a wedding the week before my wedding down in California that he was supposed to go to, and that one get canceled. And like, not I, I would I would say like when things were getting canceled, like weddings started at like the high point where you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then they cancel everything, and you're just like, oh, so that- maybe my wedding isn't the biggest thing ever. But at the end of the day, like. What the fuck are you doing, federal government? To, to you, it's the biggest thing ever in your life. Like that. <laughs> like I'm getting like, fucking married, are bro. You me, are you telling me? At least you're supposed government? to do that one time. I mean, I know you're in the military still, but you only are supposed to do that one time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah you're supposed to have like five week. weddings at this well, point. Like, yes, yes, that is the most <laughs> important thing ever in my life. But. Like, people getting laid off just because some people have a coffee virus? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not big to me. Like, like, I would say at the end of the day, Tyler, you felt this one bigger than we did. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I'm getting yeah, fucked more than Typo. <laughs> Don't call him Tyler on this show. What the fuck? Sorry, is sorry, Typo. Edit yeah, that yeah. out and post. That's I.I. Corporal. Okay? <laughs> Edit that out and post. It's Lance Corporal. It's Typo. Let's get it right. No, I was telling him to say I.I. Corporal. Uh, yeah, yeah, shut yeah, the fuck up. Typo, did you ever pick up uh did you ever pick up E5? Like I fucking ordered you to? It's a fucking lawful order from a superior commissioned officer, asshole. <laughs> no, he got NJP'd on the day he was supposed to get promoted, sir. 
<laughs> no, 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 wait, wait. Before we go any further, for your listeners and myself, I have to hear this story. You got NJP? Yeah, you didn't know that? Typo's the only real Marine in this podcast. Typo, right all right, but Typo got NJP doing the right thing, Chris. Okay, well, I'm I'm not against NJPs. I'm just for stories. All right, so, so I fucking... So, you remember Shane? You remember Shane, right? Yes, uh, yeah. I, okay. I won't say his last name, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's why, yeah, I didn't know... If, you knew him by his first name, but anyways, yeah, he showed up, but uh, so me and him became like really good friends and, uh, he was from California. So like we'd go out to California to stay at his house and party in the weekend. But, uh, so he got, uh, he got pulled over and got a DUI in, uh, fucking Carl's bed. <laughs> and, uh, but so, but whatever, like, so he got pulled over and, but then the cops like literally told him like, don't tell your command. We're not going to tell your command. And he's like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like I'm not going to tell my command. And, uh, so, but then he took leave, went to his trial date and, uh, basically got it. He got a DUI, like could, but they told him, like, don't tell your command because you might not even have a DUI. Even though they booked him and took him to jail for a suspicion of DUI. But uh, he – so he got the DUI, and then um, when he came back that he got the DUI, he was like, uh, I'm going to – I should probably tell the command. Like, I, I think I should. And I was like, okay, man, just don't say I was there. And then uh, – so he went and told the first sergeant um, – you remember the ginger first sergeant? Fuck. Uh, you're going to have to chat that to me because uh, I probably do, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. So the first sergeant at the time, he called in Shane, and Shane came out, like, basically almost crying, and I was like, oh, fuck, dude. And they're like, hey, we want to see... Yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Lance, we want to see Corporal fucking Typo at the time, and I was like, oh. You Great. said your last name on this podcast so many times. I've said it <laughs> once on this podcast. So, yeah, right. well, well, hey, make the NSA work for it, bro. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Make them, make them sit through all of our propaganda to find your fucking <laughs> yeah. name, bro. It's in like episode four. I'll give you a head start. <laughs> <laughs> literally the exact episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so they called, that part. <laughs> they called me in, and then instantly the, the first sergeant's like, yeah, I know you know about this. And I'm like, whoa, what? And, like, and he made it seem like Shane told on me. Like, he he was like, Shane already told us everything. He told us you were there. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I was there. And then he was like, well, I didn't know that. And you just admitted to it now. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. Typo <laughs> ratted himself out because he didn't believe in Shane. How dare yeah. Well, no, Shane, bitch, Shane, Shane walked by me like pretty much like a tear was going down his eye and i was like oh, fuck wait, man sorry, sorry was this a company level or battalion level njp battalion battalion <laughs> no it was the, it was the new it was the new 
Colonel, not oh, Colonel. Okay, yeah. uh, Steel. Well, then bleep out uh, the other Colonel's name. And motherfucker, <laughs> Colonel Steel. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So then, uh, yeah. So then I ride it on myself, basically. And then the funny thing is, is Shane got the DUI. And he didn't even get fucking demoted, and I got fucking demoted because I was in the car and I lied about it. And they're like the, lying to a superior <laughs> officer. And, uh, oh, yeah, so, I felt really bad for the lieutenant that replaced you because exactly. he fucking, I was ask what happened there? Cause he showed up and then like a month later I got NJP'd and he was like, well, I have no one else to make the chief and the Intel chief because you got in trouble. The next level got in trouble, Shane. And then the noon boot just showed up three months ago. So he's like, so I guess you're still going to be chief. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, oh, so, the, so you remember the pictures on the wall for like each uh, S shop? They had like the, uh, the OIC and the chief. Yeah. So they, they got rid of that because I had a Lance <laughs> Corporal picture up there and I was cheesing my ass off. They got rid of that because of that. <laughs> I, I remember it was an issue uh, because um, fucking Corporal, uh, oh God, I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. The Corporal who was uh, Chief when you showed up, uh, very originally. Corporal Jake? No, no, before Jake. Uh, oh. But, oh, but, I know who you're talking about, but I don't yeah. know. I don't know who's. Yeah, I don't real, know his name. Real good dude, and he was just like, "Hey." So I, I remember one of my first challenges as an officer was like getting him integrated in shit because most of the chiefs at at a tank battalion are like E eights. Yeah. And he was just like, hey, uh, you know, O two Captain or O two uh, Lieutenant Chris, uh, like, uh, wh where, like, you need to work me in here. It's your job, and I need to have the same respect as the O eight. Master Sergeant Chief of the four shop because I am a chief and so like trying to get him on that and that was I will admit there there were a lot of faults that I had it yeah but that's like one of the hardest fucking things to do I was a comm chief at my first battalion and it's just like like what is it I, I was a lance corporal comm chief at one point and it's like what are you yeah. fucking doing that that spot like. Yeah, I got more exactly. respect after I got NGP'd than I did when I was a corporal. Like, it was weird. So, like, uh, officers came now up he to has me. not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered his name. His first name was Mike. So I won't say his last name because yeah. I, I think that's kind of what we're going for on this. But he was a just a solid human being. And I, there are a lot of things I could say that I, I could have done better. And I, I wish I did do better as a... Uh, no, I see, but uh, hooking him up for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I love telling one, one of my best friends is uh, at a victory unit now. I won't say which one, or when I get fired, he'll get fired too. Just like, you know, when Scarry got a uh, NJP, you got one too. So uh, he's, he's over at a victory unit now, and his, he says one of his most proud moments is taking a like a boot marine, and we're not supposed to say boot, but a boot marine, and, like forming him into something good and like functional. And like I, I suck at that. I will admit, like here in front of everyone in God, that like that is not something that I'm good at. Um, I I am good at taking marines who are good and forming them into a team and like doing good things with. And like, uh, typo, you can 
uh, attest to the fact that we had uh, a lance corporal, two lance corporals. Um, I can't remember their first names, right? Drew was one of them. Richie. Richie. Richie was the other one. Okay, thank you for the first name help there, because I was going to say his last name. And they were, uh, what's a nice way of saying shitbag? Because I don't know. <laughs> they were shitbags. I knew both of them. They were shitbags. Exactly. Like, uh, I, I wanted them out of the Marine Corps. And after, I didn't know properly how to do it. After this uh, is over, I'll tell you what happened to Richie. Yeah, because I, I tried to send that, like, um, I, I believe that every Marine, whether good or bad, that I've had throughout the Marine Corps is my responsibility. Like, whether I did right by them or wrong by them, I, I still consider them my Marines. And so every Marine Corps, day, every Christmas, Aww. I try and send them that, you know, happy Marine Corps birthday, happy Christmas. And I I got a, from Richie, a, this is no longer the proper uh, number. For oh, you already heard then. <laughs> so I, I don't know what happened to him, but I know that I'm no longer able to contact uh, Richie Montes de Oca Jr., Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was kind of a piece of shit, so understandably. No, he really was. He really was. <laughs> oh, so shit. I, I have another friend who uh, ended up, he was actually my predecessor at the, the unit I'm at currently within SOCOM. Um, and one of my best friends, uh, he, he, so on occasion, and this is how I believe for non-Victor units, uh, Intel assets should be treated, uh, should be held up at like regiment or division and then pimped out to those units. So I would pimp uh, my dudes out on occasion. And I did with Drew to be like, hey, uh, you know, you're not doing shit here except playing Clash of Clans to go over and help this dude. And like, he, he's useless. So I, I, Drew, if you're listening to this, because I know you got your life together, he used to be a shit bag. But like, Drew a, would be okay with that. He'd be like, "Yeah, I know, I know." <laughs> I, I I just I I would give him over there, and he'd be like, "Yeah, this guy's useless." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's why I fucking gave him up to you." <laughs> but I I was not good at forming Marines, and to be fair, like at the unit I'm at now, I my Marines have been uh, assessed and selected to such a fine degree that I no longer have to deal with Marines that I'm like how in the fuck did you get into the Marine Corps? Like, my, my dude have all, you know, they're running first-class PFTs. They're doing their job at the level of a company-grade officer, even though they're enlisted. They are incredible. Uh, but... Yeah, you're not getting that shit at first tanks, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're not getting shit at first tanks anymore because it's shutting down. <laughs> Oh my god! All right, what, what bullet point? What bullet we're, point are we're, we on? We need, we need yeah, external support. Here. External support. Okay, we're just so. sitting here shit talking all these dirtbags. <laughs> all the worst Marines this all, captain's all had. These, all these non-Victor unit fucking pogue bitches. Show. Hey, 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 I, I, I got a little time in the Victor unit. It just wasn't with typo. <laughs> Thanks, bud. So, <laughs> Dude, the best is all. Uh, we were on Run Your Mouth podcast with uh, Robbie Burns. Uh, and fucking like me and Luke went through our jobs. It was, dude, it was the gayest. I was last. I, I, I was last. Know. Me and Luke went through our jobs, and like he was like, "All right, so you guys just kind of seem like you play with radios a little bit." Typo. You had to have dude done something cool. Type of. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I say like five words, and he's like, 
Just by telling from your voice, I can tell you're the nerdiest one. I'm like, oh, thanks. So, so he, there's a lot of like luck of the draw that happens in the Marine Corps. We claim to be a meritocracy, but that in, is in no way accurate. Like, no, fuck no. Of, we, it, we tell people on our podcast all the time, dude. You just stay and you get promoted. It, well, not not only well, that, but we we call you it just get lucky when you join. Like, you, if you fucking happen to join at the right time and get sent to the right unit then you get deployed and you do fucking real marine shit or you get an intel contract and get sent to okinawa then first tank battalion like i don't know it just happens yeah well uh, so yeah like it's it's definitely luck of the draw and then the revolving door like i i have a friend that we talk about just how fucking lucky he is so you start out and you get a shitty deployment and, and then you go and you get a shitty, uh, a second shitty billet. Actually, uh, typo, this guy was your uh, OIC before me, just so we're on the same page about this guy. <laughs> and you can tell all, all your friends about him beforehand. Afterwards, he gets a deployment with uh, a Jayada, the, the same one that I went on after that. And then he gets another job within SOCOM, the same place that I am, Currently, after that, yeah, and then you just stay in the revolving door because they talk about like, hey, you got fucked initially, but we're gonna hook you up because you did your time. That's entirely, entirely bullshit. What you have to do. I was like, yeah, they told me that, and then sent me from Okinawa, Japan, to Twenty Nine Palms, California. <laughs> exactly. So that's what they did. Uh, with, they sent him from Oki to. Uh, Miami, and you say, like, whoa, Miami sounds pretty fucking good. If you're in the military, it's not. Like, you don't have any sort of, like, job, like, progression from there. He's so, talking about my officer in 9th ESB, Luke. You know him. Oh, no, I know exactly who he was talking yeah. about. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm... He's like, this out. big! Yeah, I went to, <laughs> uh, I went to uh, OCS with the dude, and uh, now I'm, like, uh, six months behind him, and, like, every... Every fucking school, every billet that I take, I'm right on this guy's fucking heels. <laughs> so, as <laughs> you're pounding the table, <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things where like he he's not a bad officer, he's not a good officer, he's just. But once you get your foot into the door into that community, they're just like, well, you've done X, so you must be good. There's nothing to say that you are good. You've just done X, so you must be good. So that whole you paid your dues will use you in the future? Like, no, because if we can take this dude who must be good because he did something in the past, then uh, that must be tr more true than something that is untested. So it's right. It, it's a very fucked up uh, situation, but... Uh, that's, that's the military. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the military in in, in totality right there. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so back into this. External okay. support. External support. So one of we're gonna run. We're going to run through these last ones. This okay. last, like, couple fucking... We're not going off topic. I, I can tell you, four hours, you, your listeners will, will stay here. It's been fun yeah. for me, so it's going to be fun for them. Oh, they're going to love fucking, They're going to love every fucking... They're quarantined anyways. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they have nothing better to do. Anyway, we yeah. have, like, somebody that actually knows shit about, like, higher-level strategic tactics talking about it. They're going to be all about it. Yeah, and so calm like, is talking, so... Like, have this shit, so like, have shit born to us just because we've heard some of it before. We're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, say, you say that five-letter... 
uh, designator that my fiance just told me not to mention again, and people love it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm. I'll say it. So calm. She can't hear me, right? <laughs> no, no, I have headphones on. She can't hear shit. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, external support, uh, safe haven, and funding. So at the, at the beginning, you know, an hour ago when I was talking about like wh what's the difference between unconventional warfare and an insurgency and guerrilla warfare is like the fact that uh, the U.S. government is supporting it makes it unconventional warfare. But if you're doing it, it's an insurgency, right? Mm -hmm. So external support is both the safe haven of funding and, and funding you can break down into like you're, you're funding, you're equipping, you're training. I just consider funding like more enabling, which is really the word that we should use here. You're, fun, you're enabling through like literal monetary means. You're enabling through, you know, giving the guns to. You're enabling through training that uh, uh, we call it A2E vice A3E. And he's not in the room right now, so so calm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys pick that up so mm -hmm. advise assist enable you're not doing a company but so we talked uh in there in the middle about how like if we were to dissolve the united states and by we i mean hypothetically at the academic dispassionate scholarly level i'm not advocating for getting rid of the united states but if it were to dissolve tomorrow and the Russians were to step in, like if they were to support a, a boogaloo insurgency, like that, that might not actually meet our goals. Because if your goal is to lessen the extent of political power exerted over you, then you're getting one, rid of the evil you know for the evil you don't, is uh, you know the colloquial way of saying that. So... Uh, having an act outside external support might actually hurt you more than it helps you. And we'll get into the you know, different forms of support uh, a little bit more once we talk about uh, components of an insurgency. And I promise we'll get through it all. But uh, having a safe haven, so you look at Afghanistan, they have a safe haven in, in Pakistan. That's where the like uh, Taliban, the like government in exile exists. Uh, you look at Iraq, uh, when you talk about the Salafist or Wahhabist, like the extremist Sunni tribes that we've been uh, trying to fight from as far back as like, you know, uh, AQI. You talk about the Ba'athists, the, um, you know, that, that's primarily a, a Shia organization, even though they were anti-Iran because of the Iran-Iraq war. But you look at the Salafists. They have uh, friends on the side of Saudi Arabia to their south, uh, Turkey to their north. Um, Syria, they have a safe haven in, but Syria is much more aligned to Iran than they are to Saudi Arabia or to Turkey, uh, as we see today with the uh, Syrian-Turkish uh, conflicts along the border. So if you're looking for a safe haven, that's that's one fault I find, or one diminishing aspect I see with the the 
Sorry, as I take a pause, I just got a uh, glass of water, which I, I think is a, a subtle way of saying sober the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, no. Not limited by boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so a safe haven is a standard uh, feature or a, a dynamic, if you will. Like the Vietnamese had it in Laos and Cambodia. Do you, uh, think, do, you right think on, do you think on a tactical level it is possible within, because like Afghanistan and Iraq are what the sizes of what? Fucking Texas? Like, do you think yeah, it's well, possible, you think it's possible that they're in the event, hypothetical situation of a boogaloo or like that heavy level civil unrest that just basically swaths of the country would wind up being that, aka the Midwest? Uh, so, again, that's once you start going into like the late stage uh, of yeah that's like later on yeah if you start talking about like this region becomes an ungoverned or like pro-governed so like uh, against the uh the adversary uh, i don't want to say enemy but like uh, a pro-boogaloo area like mm -hmm. that's that's pretty late stage uh boogaloo if you're talking about that so safe haven could be uh, what if you think about like um, the Caribbean regions or what if you think about Mexico and, and this will kind of push into my, my funding part of this with uh, uh, the safe haven, like being able to go into an area that the United States government has no authority to act within uh, as a safe haven, because that's what makes it a safe haven. You look into if you guys read um, Surprise, Kill, Vanish, great book. It talks about like the CIA's um, killing, like uh, direct action is what we call it. Targeted killing is more the, uh, you know, the colloquial uh, terminology for the, the thing. But when you, you find people that are in areas that you're not supposed to go into and just assassinate them anyway, uh, in Texas or in uh, you know Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Alabama, any of these areas that might be pro Boogaloo, those are still United States controlled regions. Uh, Mexico is not. Uh, Canada is not, even though they have further restrictions. So you have to think of areas that, if they were to go into, um, and again. Uh, right. It, it, we're speaking I mean, strictly like at the beginning. We're speaking, I mean, we're speaking strictly at the beginning. Like yeah. what's but when I we still, start this thing off? But I still feel like if you bring this down to the tactical level, there's very large portions of the United States that are straight, almost inaccessible. Which inaccessible, I mean, to the point of the the military's heavier firepower. So, as a, I, I, I'm sure you know, I'm a JFO. Like my, yep. my whole job was limitations and capabilities of aircraft. And it's not hard to figure out the limitations, capabilities of heavy armor as well. And then, you know, artillery and all that other fun shit. And, uh, fuck, who the fuck said it? He, he was on Pete Raymond, but, um, uh, there was a fucking guy who said, uh, the most undefeated insurgency is one that is a civilian populace with a rifleman culture operating in a mountainous terrain. So basically, like, there are areas of the country is basically what I'm arguing down when you bring it down to more of the tactical, like the actual firefight situational level, um, that 
you can truly mitigate the United States and the conventional military force that it wages down to a level that's manageable as long as you have a force that can fucking operate at that capability level. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. And um, I, again, one of the reasons I wanted to come on here was just to get your listeners to, to read about the stuff that could affect them. No, no, 100%. No, no, because that's, 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 that's a very good point you make because one of the big, biggest frustrations, because like you said, you, like I said, you listen to the show, so you know I'm an Afghan vet. One of the biggest frustrations with Afghanistan is the fact that you just go um, – one of my buddies, he started doing it as more of like a shock because like you get out of the military and a lot of college kids are like, uh, did you ever kill anybody? And he came up with the best response. His response was, yeah, man, a bunch of Pakistani college kids. And <laughs> sorry, yeah, you can – you you could imagine how that fucking how that fucking they they'd be like what like that was his he was the one that turned me on to libertarianism but um yeah we but all it's have the true one but it's fucking true though like I can't even remember how many guys we fucking smoked that had fucking literally Pakistani college student IDs on yeah. their person so I I think what you're talking about is more the um. The, the terrain that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, uh, but, 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 but it goes, but, but it does go into that. I, I'm not going to say it's a safe haven. It's not a safe haven as much as literally the United States on international law levels cannot operate like upstate New York, for example, like you cross in and out of the fucking Canadian border all fucking day. Ain't nobody going to stop you. But, um, you, there is terrain and there are areas within the, the, the continental U.S. that you can mitigate the actual raw firepower that a conventional military has in its advantage against an insurgency down to levels that are almost non-existent. I, I agree. Um, and, and again, um, one of the things I w- want to avoid here tonight is to uh, going too deep into the tactical uh, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. I was just yeah, that's, so, that's my knowledge base. So that's all yeah, I got. So, like so you, what, like I'm not. I, mean I wasn't enough. Yeah, it isn't so much like areas that they'll have a hard time finding people, but areas where if they go in and start uh, trying to target people, they'll have the international community after them. And there's a big disparity. Yeah. Between like it's hard to find someone mm-hmm. in like the Blue Ridge Mountains. Like I fucking yeah. dare you to like. No, yeah, dude, definitely, like, like, uh, I tell people all the time, they're like, when people are like, oh, aircraft, and one of the biggest limitations of especially fixed-wing aircraft, which is probably the greatest firepower asset you got, that that is almost, if you don't have a fucking stinger, even if you have a stinger missile, it's you're not really going to have to touch fixed-wing aircraft, but defilade. You want to defeat fixed-wing aircraft? Defilade is your fucking friend, motherfucker. Like, it's amazing how much that little fucking eight-foot drop fucking trench completely mitigates the effects of aircraft and you gotta and you gotta be careful though because like once they deem you if they deem you a serious terrorist or whatever like didn't it was it wasn't osama bin laden captured in pakistan yeah Yeah, so there but uh if you read the way of the knife and i'm gonna throw fucking every book i can dude no throw every resource most like these episodes are to educate those so, that yeah. don't have the actual familiarity yeah, and training and, and, I, and everything like that. And, and, the and for us. I, I can say is like, I, I suck at podcasts. I'll be honest with you guys. I try and do every podcast you throw out, but normally I audiobook because every time I drive to and from work, that's 30 minutes of me just 
educating myself. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, something Mazzetti, uh, The Way of the Knife, and it's talking about how a, a lot of ways we fuck up, but in doing that strike into Pakistan, there was a huge uh, diplomatic cost of doing oh, that. Yeah. And not to say pro or con of like, I'm not going to say like killing Bin Laden is a bad thing in any way like that. Yeah, yeah, I was a cocksucker. Fuck him. Yeah, he, he was a piece of shit. Died. Yeah, he was yeah, obviously a piece of shit. At the end of the day, like that cost uh, the State Department, like Wasta. Like you can't. Oh yeah. Do that without having to like, hey Pakistan, like we did this without telling you. Like that's gonna piss them. And that's off. that's national news. And like everyone honestly, knew that. Like everyone honestly, knew they found him in Pakistan. And then but, honestly, and, killing and, Osama bin Laden just made the insurgency worse well yeah, and that's what's funny but then they had the excuse though like i had the excuse i try to tell people when when i was as i was in i was in helmand province afghanistan in 2014 we had no idea who the fuck we were fighting like like at no operational fucking level do we have any idea we were fighting fucking because for an insurgency when you cut the head off a of, fight i mean correct me if you think i'm wrong but no. in an insurgency if you cut the head off a of fucking snake what happened what happened tends to happen is then it fractures off in all different kinds of fucking directions so I, you wind up you wind up with a different operational a bunch of different operational fucking um forces that all have the same goal of defeating you but they're all fractured off into different fucking splinter groups so, so that that is not universally true but it's not universally false so you look at australia mm -hmm. uh they're considered and they consider themselves uh like a, a pacific um body so mm -hmm. they, they did the counterinsurgency in Indonesia, one of those specific bodies uh, a while ago. Sorry, I, I don't have it right in front of me. Kilcullen is Australian, so he yeah. talks about that a lot. Uh, and, and they went in and they were able to decapitate a threat and, and it worked for them. Uh, I mean, I... What was what was like the level of that insurgency though? It, I, I guess it kind of depends so, on how how Malaysia. structured the higher. Yeah, I I guess it kind of yeah. depends on how structured the hierarchy of the yeah. actual well, forces are. Well, I mean, are. you look at um, uh, you look at ISIS and yeah, prior to um, I, ISIS has kind of had a recent resurgence, uh, and by recent I mean the last few weeks. But when we took, were able to take out al Baghdadi, and then they announced his successor about the time we killed his successor and uh, killed the third in command right after that. Like that has effects. So you're not always able to take the head off the snake. Uh, Kilcolin actually talks about like what you want to do is go after the, the mid-level commanders because you want to have people high enough that you're able to talk with them about surrendering and you, you know, you're not going to have any effect by killing. You don't want you want to you want to martyr the dudes that radicalize people already. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you kill Osama bin Laden, and by the time we killed Osama bin Laden, uh, he wasn't an effective leader anymore. He, he yeah. uh, you know, and then pushed and then when we, functions off. Yeah, and then when waging war against they, I mean, it makes sense. You kill the higher higher level guys. All you're doing is splintering the groups into different things that your your like intelligence levels it, it gets harder for them to track different fucking different groups and their different yeah. orientations and everything like that and then it's the more decentralized when, yeah and then when you go after yeah. the lower level dudes you start uh heightening the risk of you know collateral fucking damage or even just the fact these are lower level dudes so you're killing somebody's family member somebody's brother yada 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 on a massive scale and uh the whole insurgent map you know you killed one terrorist 
fucking get 10. So yeah. I, I guess it makes sense. The, the, the mid-level guys almost become more of like a, more of a target for the fucking state. Yeah. So um, with, with Iraq and I, I, Sorry to like shift between different insurgencies. No, no, because it, they they things. all have like coordinating measures. Like it's it's literally a style of warfare. Like yeah. So uh, with with Iraq, we we kill uh, Abu Bakr al Zarqawi, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's a and and counterinsurgents and counterterrorists um, love talking about it because it is a big win, right? Like we kill kill him. And he he's not loved by uh, Al Qaeda at large, right? Like the leader of AQI, even though you would think AQI falls under larger Al Qaeda, he's very anti-Shia. And if you look at uh, Bin Laden, uh, I you know allow your listeners to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Bin Laden's mother was actually a Shia. So his whole like piss off the Shia so we'll fight the Sunni so we can cause this sectarian war. Like that pissed off a lot of people in Al-Qaeda higher. So we kill uh, Zarqawi. And then you have something called uh, the Islamic State of Iraq. And this is different than ISIL or ISIS or uh, the Daesh or whatever you want to call them. I actually had a commander who forced me to say Daesh because he thought it would piss off ISIS. And you're like, no, it's just a, you know... Mis- misspelling of a, a you know poorly translated thing of Islamic State. So at the end of the day, it doesn't mean jack shit. But you look at ISI and like you, you kill uh, Abu Bakr and ISI steps up and it has two leaders and they die and you're like, okay, that's great. And then you kill the um, Abu Bakr uh, al Baghdadi and then you kill his successor and his successor and like. At, at what point do you just like the, the goal of coin is supposed to be pushing off? Uh, you're supposed to work yourself out of a job. Same with CT. You're supposed to work yourself out of a job. You can't be the world's police force. But that's what America has become. And that's what when we go to a country and we're like, we're going to defeat this organization, that's what they expect from us. So you start working with the Iraqi government. And I was there from. 15 to 16, and you, you start talking about political problems within the country. You, you look at, at the prime minister of Iraq at that time, and if, if you try to solve their problems for them, you, you're not going to. I, we're, we're stepping a little off base about the, like, uh, the external support, which is where we were supposed to be. Yeah. But, yeah, like you were saying, like, you cut the head off a snake, sometimes it works. Um, and they tried to do that in Vietnam, not with Ho Chi Minh, but, uh, uh, General Jin, Jin Giap, I believe. I, sorry, Vietnamese names are not my, What do you think comes down to, I've actually read, I've actually read, I can't remember the exact ones, but I've actually read of, of, uh, certain, like, uh, like war game scenarios that the actual DOD conducted, and they fucking... There was like a like a fucking a war game character they had that was like a former fucking army guy yada 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 but he was former army EOD and during this whole fucking civil conflict he was wrecking havoc with fucking IEDs he had his own little fucking militia yada 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 and they wound up killing him and then within this this simulation all of his core fucking members went off and 
created like 20 to 30 fucking different fraction groups that all spread that exact same fucking knowledge amongst all of them and actually compounded the threat to a fucking level that was completely unmanageable. I, I remember you guys in one of your, uh, it was definitely an earlier podcast, um, you were talking about the Marine general who... Uh, took Iran's uh, Iran's military force and defeated the entire Atlantic uh, Atlantic fleet. Yeah, so it's uh, it was called Millennium Challenge. Not uh, yep. so every time I think of it, I think Millennium Falcon. And I'm like, <laughs> On fucking solo, dude. That's a fucking do this shit. That shit was eye open. I remember reading about that like fucking so, years ago. I was like, oh so fuck. Part of it was like if you read the point counterpoint, like you read the point and you're like uh, Van Riker. Uh, so he's the one who like uh, modernized Marine Corps intelligence. So he's like a god to me. Like yeah, everybody talks about Mattis being a god, and you're like, yeah, that's great because uh, Mattis never won a war. Uh, he he did some shit. <laughs> won some battles. Cool. Won some battles. <laughs> All right. I, I would say we won the first Gulf War. Uh, so he was there for that. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, Van Riper was the one who who was the red red seller opposing force for Millennium Challenge, not Millennium Falcon, and he he was the one who created my MOS. So he is the patron saint of ground intelligence officer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, th- there is something to be said for that uh, you know, force that's able to utilize that that small. Uh, tactical element, but you still have to, and again, nesting this, uh, you still have to be able to source that within your strategic goals. Because if your goals are just to harass forever, yeah. like that is that is protracted, and that style of warfare has worked for some, but even then, like it's a style of warfare, protracted warfare. I I have it. I feel, in, I feel like I feel like those types of groups, those. Uh those kind of like smaller fucking like you know five ten man fucking size teams they're more of a, a, a chaos element than anything else I, I think we talked about in our boo boo episode either that was our boo boo tactics where you will have like larger more centralized forces that are operating and then that will go one or two ways either they operate in a way that mitigates u.s firepower and they're able to um kind of complete their missions and their strategic objectives or they get fucking wiped out. But the amount of force that needs to be used to wipe them out. When you look at, uh, if you look at the battle of Fallujah, for example, in Iraq, the battle of Fallujah was being waged. They had to pull in fucking forces from all around the fucking country. And while they were waging the battle of Fallujah, the entire, uh, like everything else around the fucking country of Iraq just popped off like fucking Al Qaeda fucking forces, gangs, fucking other fucking militia groups just ran fucking rampant through that whole motherfucking country because the centralization of forces in Fallujah forced the U.S. to actually have to use massive amounts of firepower, which lessened their presence in other areas. Yeah. Um, so to, to get us back on track to some degree, uh, funding. So it, when we talk uh, unconventional warfare, and that's... Uh, so I, I draw... Uh, from three sources is from insurgents talking about insurgencies. And if you read Mao, he talks about like individuals by name, which d- doesn't help, uh, you know, the Bujahideen because they're not working with the same fucking individuals uh, by name. And I, I pull from uh, unconventional warfare, which is what we use 
to support other insurgencies. And I pull from coin, which is, you know, what we use to defeat other insurgencies. Because uh, I think I was saying earlier, like upstream, he talks about in there, like uh, YAL, Young Americans for Liberty. They were talking about uh, like how how when they started, they had to not understand their talking points, but understand their enemies' talking points or their adversaries' talking points to know what to talk against. Uh, so we have to know that also uh, to know what to talk against for for ourselves. So you have to study all three prongs of that between uh, insurgency, counterinsurgency, and uh, unconventional warfare to be able to get like a full understanding uh, of around that. So funding, yeah. most people think of funding and most doctrine you will see will talk about funding from uh, an external point of view. And I'm reading- That's, that's what I was gonna, that's what I was gonna, um, when, you, when you talk about funding, I've, uh, fuck, it was, uh, I, can't, I can't remember his fucking name, but he was on Pete Raymond's show. But he talked about how the, the like the main fucking insurgencies throughout world history have had a rifleman culture, uh, mountainous terrain, and a fucking um, they've had outside funding. So do you? What's the? What's the? Because outside funding actually creates a situation where you're kind of the, the American Revolution. Like we had to create a centralized state in order to pay back all this fucking debt. Exactly. So you guys talked about in your last podcast, like regardless of who you are, if you're getting money some from someone, you owe them for your source of income. Uh, so one, one um, format, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I support the park because I'm very happy to say fuck the park, uh, but it's an internal funding uh, model. And they did this through uh, explicit means, if you will, or a black market. They did this through integrating into the cocaine culture of Colombia. And yeah. they're in Colombia, so they find like what what market, what black market is not being accessed by the, the government of Colombia? How do we tap into that? And how do we bring that back to fund us? So there are many markets uh, within the United States government. And one thing that I'm happy to see is that uh, the U.S. Uh, government is starting to de-restrict on marijuana, but at the same time, were you to be forming an insurgency, you would want that as a funding source. So uh, we, we talk about funding as an external factor uh, with uh, unconventional warfare, but if you don't want, uh, you know, Russia or China stepping in after you, you know, overthrow the yoke of the United States government, you're going to have to be able to do that within yourself. Uh, so being able to to fund within yourself, very difficult. We'll talk that uh, about that a little bit in uh, components of an insurgency, insofar as the auxiliary goes. Uh, but it's it's not something that you would usually have. Uh, within an insurgency itself. Perfect. All right. Well, and we'll get into uh, phasing and timing and yeah, the rest nice. of it after this break. Yeah. And I'm just going to play uh, fucking Jared's commercial in this pause. So. Yeah, there we go. And then, okay. uh, when we get back, there is a point that I want to make. We got like four on, uh, pauses that, we can fucking That, that I do want to make on funding when we, when we come no, back. No, no more funding. 
I'm bringing an <laughs> El- empty Nalgene bottle with I'll- me when we come back. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> model, all that shit. Hey, guys. If you enjoy the show and get a lot out of it, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash biting the bullet. There's a $2 level on there that if a quarter of you did, we could get drunk on beer. We could get beer for the next week. If half of you did, we could get hookers and blow for the Boogaloo Boys each month. So consider donating to us at patreon.com slash biting the bullet. Thank you very much. Phasing and timing. We talked about that a little bit earlier about making sure that you have everything broken up appropriately for each individual uh, insurgency. It's a little bit different. Uh, so it's hard to pull out of models uh, what would be proper here. But the importance that I pulled out of it, uh, again, in reading uh, TC18, TAC01, or FM3 TAC05.130, is just uh, making sure that you're not trying to uh, do too much too early. Uh, the eating an elephant uh, one bite at a time, one plate at a time, rather than trying to take it all in one mouthful. Uh, that's not going to work for anyone. Uh, so I, I'm sorry to kind of rush through that bullet point. I'm sure some understand it uh, better than myself and would like to add to it. But uh, for the, the sake of what we're looking at here, I'm going to move on to the organizations and operational patterns, uh, w- which is, uh, for, for this sake, a, consider it like an irregular order of battle. So an order of battle is like how you would array your forces uh, if, if you had a completely flat uh, battle space. So uh, when you go into an, uh, an IPD or initial uh, intelligence preparation of the battle space or a, a JIPO, a joint intelligence preparation of the operating environment, what you do is you take the doctrinal uh, OOB and then you overlay it to terrain and you start putting different pieces, different places. Uh, for here, for an irregular OOB, so remember you're considering guerrilla operations operating within the enemy's, uh, or the adversary's uh, controlled environment. Where are you going to uh, array your forces and what operations and tactics are you going to use uh, within that area? It, it has to be, by definition, a little bit different than if you were to be using a, a conventional or an orthodox force. Like, oh, you're not talking about uniforms, you're talking about small groups uh, trying to uh, affect through what would be like a irregular maneuver warfare targeting the gaps rather than targeting the frontages of the enemy force. And that's one thing that I've noticed a lot of people talk about, like, you know, it's let's take it to the cops or let's take it to SWAT. Like, that's that's a frontage. Like, even if they're not as competent as the National Guard, which is saying a lot, because the National Guards, <laughs> when we talk about competencies there, there's definitely a diminishing point. But when, when you talk about, like, uh, affecting a frontage, that's no longer maneuver warfare. And even if you have a very competent force, like, you're, you're going up against a force. Uh, if you read just... You know, the basics of maneuver warfare, um, the, the field manual that, that the Marine Corps adheres to, uh, what you're looking for is the gaps. 
so where can we affect their logistics? Where can we affect their higher leadership? Uh, where, where can we affect them? Uh, and what tactics should we use? Uh, again, that's, um, we, we talked about ideology, leadership objectives earlier. This is the, like, how do we ensure that what we're doing is counter to the overall strategy that we're trying to achieve? So it, it's very, very important. And that's where we really tie, uh, tie in the, the tactics that you guys talked earlier uh, about in previous podcasts, tie those tactics and nest those tactics within the operations and then the operations within the uh, overall strategy. Fucking killing it. Right, right. No, like, I was just like, like I honestly well, on this podcast, like I'm just like learning at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, because <laughs> we 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 were talking about it. We we're like we've we've thought very it, honestly. We've thought very small minded about it, you know, like very but, but at the at the very us, base level, tactical. All, all of us are all of us are tactical operators. Like I'm probably, I I mean honestly, all of us are 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 only like our highest level of thinking is probably that like baseline operational level you as a radio operator luke um typo as intel and then me as an air observer like it's you you kind of dabble in it but that's about probably the highest level we go to like most of our levels are all tactical fucking like i do close air support fucking yeah yeah as an as an enlisted person like you only get exposed to a tactical level i mean me I did get exposed to some strategic and some operational and, level, and but still, yeah. s- still with an Intel background, like I only really dealt with a tactical level of fucking yeah. in- intelligence and it's fucking, I mean, we were just talking outside like real quick on the break. It, it's like, what, what is the, the, I guess the straw that breaks the camel's back and what pops us all off. And, I, I I mean we we don't know. I mean was was Duncan Limp the the answer? Like maybe it should have been, but like we don't. I mean I don't yeah, know. Like it's, it's almost hard. like it's punishing your dog, right? Like your dog pisses on the floor. You don't hit his nose as soon as you find it, like two hours later, and you're like, don't piss on the floor, uh, because there there's no way to tie it. Even though the federal government might, might understand, you're not off operating in that uh, adversarial like black versus white chessboard. It needs to be married together. Exactly. You're saying like it needs to be a follow-up so people understand that X is a reaction to Y against Z. Because if X follows Y by two months, uh, people will in no way relate X to Y. And yeah, look, exactly. look at the Oklahoma City bombing. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I keep saying that because I was like, Typo really likes the Oklahoma City. I don't, it's no, a, I, I don't like it. I don't. No, I don't. I don't like it. It's just that that he responded to because of Waco, but it was so long after Waco, and the way that he went to retaliate is a very bad example for our movement. Right. And I think and people need to understand that. And that's why I keep bringing exactly. it up. Like, right. Like Janet Reno right now is rotting in hell, just burning every yeah. flesh like, off her bones. X didn't relate to Y in a, in, in a yeah. relatable way. Actually make it hard for the state agents to label you a terrorist, you stupid fucks. Like, that's, that's make the it idea. a difficult it, it, mission. Not just like, he killed Debbie that brings donuts. Like, make it an actual fucking mission for them to try to label you 
as a crazy terrorist. Don't go out and just be a crazy terrorist. Yeah, like right now, the uh, individual that uh, killed, I, I, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but uh, in Mesa, Arizona, the, the Dana cop, Shaver? Yes, sorry, the, the cop who killed him uh, is getting $2,500 a month. 32. 22? Sorry. 3,200. 3,200. It's full pension. Yeah, uh, be, because he, he's suffering, you know, uh, PTSD. PTSD from shooting an unarmed civilian begging for his life. So <laughs> you, you could still, you know, years later conduct that paired with the proper IO to say, like, this is the reason X is in reaction to Y. But if you just were to, you know, pull a Houston, uh, or sorry, maybe it was, if you were to pull a Texas and just shoot a, a random cop, that's not going to help. That's going to hurt a lot more than it helps. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, like that's a, that's the thing with like what the, I love this topic because it's a strategic level. I was like, there has to be an end goal. Like you can't just retaliate and retaliate and retaliate. Like, no one will understand what you're doing. Or maybe at first they'll agree and be like, I agree with this retaliation, but like there has to be like an end goal to this whole situation. As, as much as so many boomer FUDs view them as restrictions, there needs to be an ROE. You need to have a, a rules of engagement. You need to have some kind of uh, like operational fucking rule set. Like, uh, it, it's something like I said, like at the beginning of this podcast, where it's like, don't, don't, don't be as evil as the fucking thing that you're, you're that you're finding. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think all right. So I think this this ties into our our final like over what our overarching uh, bullet point, the components of insurgency. Um, so the the last one that you have here is components of insurgency: human factors, considerations of undergrounds and insert undergrounds in insurgencies. And um, the second bullet point right underneath that, I think, kind of encompasses what we've been talking about the last couple minutes. And it's uh, right now the issue is everyone wants to be a guerrilla and no one wants to be support. In most insurgencies, the armed component spends its time as a smaller component. So uh, in the military, like we say it all the time, especially in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps is one large like cog in a machine. But inside the Marine Corps, instantly when you think of Marine Corps, you think of grunts. Like that's what the atypical person thinks of. They think of grunts. But the majority of the Marine Corps is not grunts. The majority of the Marine Corps is in support of grunts. And um, speaking of grunts, there's my dog. Branch, <laughs> um, but like it, it, it just goes to show like, like we, need, we need to create a foundation that encompasses this idea of liberty and freedom to support the people that actually are fighting for it because that's where we'll get the win. That's where the yeah. win is. We need, I, it's maybe I'm not using the, if I'm not using the word right, Chris, you let me know, but like, um, we need to like, we, well, actually, it's not even the same kind of nesting, actually. We need to create an, our own nest. And in this nest, we need to create these ideas of liberty and freedom for people to support the people that are actually going out there. Because not everybody's going to be able to do it. Not everybody can no. fucking sit there and take a, a SWAT team charging their door. Like, that's not, what you, that's not what you should expect of people in our community. 
Like you should not expect that. You should suspect like or expect from our community, the majority of them, especially the people that listen to us to grow, you know, a fucking garden in our backyard and try to live as much without state funding as possible. Yeah. To, to, to siphon supplies to the insurgency. Exactly. Like one of the biggest issues in Afghanistan is the fact that all that foreign aid, like something like from, especially from the Afghanistan papers, a vast majority of that fucking money goes straight into the fucking insurgency. Um, yeah. And then it's actually uh, Seaburn Boog Boy uh, talks about that a lot on fucking Instagram where he's like, I'm not going to fucking go out and fucking boog around. Like I'm going to be in my location. I'm going to be set up. I'll fucking defend myself. And he actually basically says, like, he'll support. Like, hey, you need a place to come rest. You need a place to recoup. You need a place to come get a meal, lay your fucking head down. I'm here for you, but I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not about that. And he's a fucking – he's he's a fucking – he's currently in the army. Like, you have, you have situations like that. Like, the people – like, everybody likes to talk about Harriet Tubman on the Underground Railroad fucking carrying a double barrel shotgun, but nobody wants to talk about the hundreds of fucking people – that, that helped her door, along the way. That opened, that opened their fucking doors up to the, to the people, to the slaves running away and actually supported them and fed them and fucking hid them and yeah. fucking funneled them up towards the north. Yeah, they're not, they're not heroes in the book. It's Harriet no. Tubman. Yeah. They're not the heroes. It's, it's, it's the people toting the guns. Yep. Chris? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, sorry. sorry about the I, I agree entirely. The, the Marine Corps has the saying... Uh, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Yep. And, too many cooks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, thanks for sticking that in my head for the next uh, five or six days. You're, You're the one that me. showed me that, so fuck you. <laughs> so it's uh, it, and that goes kind of back to leadership. Is um, you you need to be able to break it down, and that's not something that you have. Uh, within the Boogaloo currently. So there's four components of an insurgency are the underground, the auxiliary, the guerrilla or uh, the armed component, and then uh, the public piece. And that's one piece. Uh, that's why I put uh, human factors considerations of an underground insurgency in there is because currently the uh, TC-18 Tech-01, uh, which is the overall um, army unconventional warfare book encompassing FM 3TAC 05130 and FM 31TAC21 doesn't consider the public element. So if we can go, and I promise I won't keep your listeners on for too much longer before we start uh, down our rabbit holes again, uh, down those four points. Um, the underground, that's going to be doing a lot of the stuff. And that's part that the in, insurgency or the boogaloo doesn't want to be. Those are your, your medical, those are your intelligence collections, those are the people who aren't flagging themselves all over social media as Boogaloo sympathizers, but are still getting shit done in support of the Boogaloo. Those are the actual, what we would consider an underground, like they're not, they're not noted, they're, they're not even flagged, but they're still providing support. And I mean, I, myself as an intelligence professional, might uh you know overwrite uh like uh you know over exaggerate the importance that, that they play but having people who can provide that for you without you know putting a flag over their head or a marker that's that's at a very 
a very high level that we don't consider. What we keep on trying to do is recruit people, uh, you know, to the Bujahideen or to the Boog Boys to go, you know, hook and jab with us. But if we don't have those people that aren't being tracked, uh, that can, you know, just go and be like, hey, there's a checkpoint at X. Uh, and support us through that or just walk up and, and do stuff that they're not being monitored from, that's that's very important. Uh, kind of tying into that, but not exactly, is the auxiliary. And these are people who have day-to-day -day jobs, but they'll then still support the armed component or the guerrillas. And one place that uh, really harped on this uh, was that uh, human factors book that I keep on referring to in in the IRA and you have to look at how many Irish supporters the IRA had who weren't you know gun carrying card carrying members of the R IRA who still believed in the cause so what what you need to do in recruiting is not recruit people who are willing to you know go conduct the boog as it were but people who are willing to just support you, to provide that safe haven that you're not expecting out of a neighboring state because America is too large to try to do a neighboring state from Canada or Mexico, but who might provide you safe haven, uh, you know, just from being a, a door that the cops aren't expecting to check in or might be, you know, providing you ammunition, even though, you know, the, the cops are looking at how many, uh, rounds you're expending regularly or how many rounds you're buying regularly and these people have uh, you know plausible deniability these people have to you know be able to support without flagging themselves yeah uh, yes like have like have the things you need for self-defense i think as especially in the boot community or at least in the libertarian community that leans towards it i feel like a lot of guys feel like they need to be a warrior and in all actuality, you don't use your skills, use what you're actually good at. By all means, learn how to defend yourself. Like go get that fucking shotgun or that AR and, you know, get a little bit of ammo that you, you have a personal defense weapon. Absolutely. But that's even just for regular world living. But like use your skills, use what you're good at. Like if you sit around, and you're like, I don't think I have it in me to take a human life. That's not a bad thing. There's a lot of other shit you can fucking do that helps support fucking human liberty or the fight fix my liberty. car yeah <laughs> literally no like yeah that, that's like, that's a very true point like <laughs> we we all all laugh after he says fix my car but like i yeah. i have zero like i i said uh probably during one of the breaks like i said i'm not a car guy i'm a zero with a car yeah. i am that yeah, me too I'm a gun guy dude you give me I, a gun I, I could probably fix it i can't fix your fucking car i can change the oil and change the tire that's about fucking it yeah, exactly. So the the overall, and I keep on referring to the pyramid. Uh, so you know the pyramid of strategic, uh, flowing down into operational and tactical. It's also the same. Uh, if you, if you read the book, and I, I encourage all of your listeners too for human factors considerations. Uh, one chapter a night, you'll get through it in a couple weeks. It'll it'll be worth it. But the, the kind of like the overarching circles shift. Sometimes you need more guerrillas, but usually you're going to need more of those auxiliary or underground forces. So I, I don't understand how to fix a car. Like, that's just one thing. Like, I held the flashlight for my dad a fuck ton of times and was told, like, no, sh shine it at the engine, not at my light. 
<laughs> not in my eyes. And like, or like, yeah, I understand that, but I don't understand how even, an engine works. Even if you know yeah. how to do shit, if you're if you're performing tactical operations, you're not gonna have the time to do it. Yeah, you're like not. If you're have, if you're maneuvering, moving, fucking in firefights, fucking recoordinating, regrouping, reattacking, you're not gonna have time to. to there's a, there's a reason our military has all these support yeah. guys. Yeah, you're not going to have time to gather food. You're not going to have time to hunt. You're not going to have time to resupply. You're not going to have time to fucking find a place to lay your fucking head. It it, it creates a scenario where it's, I mean, it's something where, like I said, I feel like the boot community really stresses, like, we need trigger pullers. We need trigger pullers. We need trigger pullers. It's like, trust me, dude, we live in America. We have enough fucking trigger pullers. Like, we, like, if you're fucking, you know, 80 pounds over fucking weight and you can't fucking move under fire, but, you know, you have a really decent fucking garden and you know some basic medical care, that will fucking help any kind of hypothetical fucking boogaloo far more than you trying to go out and be a trigger puller. Yeah, you can't have everybody be the person like at the X. Uh, there's, there's a book, uh, Killer Elite, uh, that talks about some individuals who I, I won't name by name because then I get in real trouble. Uh, but <laughs> the, the book is out there and... And it's worth reading about, uh, you know, specialists who are good at finding targets and, and then they try and hit the X. And being the person who gets you to the X and being the person on the X, like they are equally important. Everybody wants to be the person on the X because that's what's considered sexy. Navy SEALs have been writing books for the last you know, 40 years. Oh, so yeah. everybody thinks that's what's sexy. And I ate that shit up. Even the military <laughs> deals with it. My staff sergeant, I remember my platoon sergeant in Afghanistan got pissed as fuck. He actually, he actually propped me because one of our earlier firefights, everybody else, the fire team leaders and like all the fucking fire team leaders and the more like niche specific personnel within our platoon just immediately went to fucking yanking on that fucking trigger and returning fire. And like, I was one of the only like niche guys that was like, my job isn't to be a trigger puller. I have F-18s on station. I'm going to talk to my F-18s. He yeah. actually popped me for that. And he was like a fucking four or five time Iraq vet. And it was like, he fucking fished out the whole fucking platoon where he's like, you know your fucking job, fire team leaders. You have a fucking M4. You have a 240 in your fucking fire team. Why don't you direct your fucking 240 instead of fucking triggering the pull, the, pulling the trigger on your bitch ass M4? Do your fucking job. Like, I don't give a fuck about your fucking car. Do your fucking job. Yeah, and, and we call that uh, getting out of the scope in uh, IOC. Like, everybody wants to be looking down uh, their ACOG or yeah. their uh, rifle optic uh, RCO uh, at, at the time. But what you have to do is look at the larger picture. If you can support in a way that isn't the gorilla or the armed component, uh, and that's one reason that, that we have so many people in in that section is is the veterans and we we talk about like we trained x many people to you know fight insurgency and then we brought them back and they realized their government was fucked up that's true but how many of you guys how many of the guys you know served long enough to be uh, have an understanding of the actual strategy of war because the marine corps doesn't fight strategic like nope no you go you go back to world war ii and we had operational impact but we weren't doing strategic impact. No, we, we're not strategic. We owned, we're shocking off. Exactly. We owned a Pacific theater and that's where we were using operations to affect strategy. But that strategy was being held by army generals. So when you start talking about like, what is the gorilla going to do? 
and, and that's really what I'm trying to impress upon all of your leader, uh, listeners is the gorilla or the armed component is going to have incredible tactical effects, but unless you're tying that into higher, it, it means it means nothing. And you could actually be doing more damage than good. And right. I think all of your listeners are are on board with trying to do good, good. in the end state, not have another Oklahoma City bombing where you're just, you know, like, hey, we killed a lot of people who bring donuts. And it turns out, like, a lot of people like donuts. <laughs> Don't fucking kill Debbie, bitches. Exactly. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Whoa, what the hell, man? Like, you don't, I love you, a good Boston cream. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy in the mosh pit swinging around like a fucking wild animal. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, I, I think we've been going for about two and a half hours now. So I'll try to be quick because I, I'm sure all of your li- listeners are like, uh, what the fuck happened here? Who's this dude, officer? Dude, this I don't, I don't, don't, I don't think officers. so. I know several people that are going to re-listen to this episode like four fucking times now. Just try to <laughs> just get all the information of, and all the well, fucking references. And, yeah. Well, and then like, I mean, they're on quarantine. So, you know, they're fucking bored anyways. <laughs> they so, didn't work the, construction. So now they're fucking, then all the jobs suck, suck. The public aspect, and this is one thing that human factors uh, considerations of underground in Insurgents talks about, that uh, TC-18-01 unconventional warfare handbook ignores entirely, is the public component of an insurgency. And this is going to be, it's also considered like the political component, and the IRA did this very well, Um, but the people that are pressing or advocating for your same, uh, your same talking points or your same agendas, uh, but but aren't necessarily advocating for for the violent means. They don't need to be detracting from, from you. They don't need to be advocating from you. But they need to be running parallel lines of saying like, "Hey, we need to have uh, zero no knock raids at zero four in the morning," or. You know, hey, we need to be going back to what the actual Constitution was meant for. Like, I, I believe it was Lysander Spooner who said, like, uh, the the Constitution is either flawed or impotent because we have yeah, the that government was, that was we have. Yeah, yeah, we have the government we had today have today, and we have the Constitution. So it, it's either not doing the job of stopping the government, so it's impotent, or it allows for the government. In which case, why in the fuck do we have it? So we, we need to have somebody who's saying like, hey, every law you have needs to be nested within the Constitution or fuck you, my Bush boys are going to come get you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, maybe within a, a nicer frame of mind because... More charismatic I, leadership exactly. role type. The, the, yeah. the public uh, component isn't necessarily the leadership component because they need to have that uh, divide from the the armed component but but they need to be able to uh, be the ones who are actually advocating uh for you and working with the government in place uh to get that done because like i was saying about the uh, the, the taliban and aqi isi you can take out the top level leadership you can take out the bottom level leadership but if you take out that top level leadership who do you have to, to compromise with and get to the table so there's actually a diplomatic political ends. And if you're trying to make political inroads, you're going to need those people to make, uh, you know, to promote your political ends. Right. 
Yeah, and like I mean that that's the thing too is like with the I guess America's strategic plans in the Middle East is supposed to spread democracy. That's the idea, right? But how can you do that when democracy doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's a couple points there. Like America isn't a democracy, and America shouldn't be. A oh, oh, you cut out. I lost you again. You unplugged again, bud. There it is. There you are. Uh, so uh, America is a constitutional uh, republic, democratically yeah. elected republic, and yet every time we go into a place, we set up a constitution for democracy, which makes zero sense to me. But yeah. uh, d democracy is cancer, and it, if you look at Ayn Rand, who is either loved or hated within libertarian circles, she says that the the smallest minority is the individual, and that's where I put my myself. A lot of People will try and put themselves as a minority within their race, sex, religion, creed, philosophy, anything like that. And, and I, I intentionally don't do that because I, I think that's going to harm more than help me. Like I, I am Captain Chris. We won't, we won't go further than that, but that is who I am. I'm not my father. I'm not my my race, I'm not my family, I'm not my creed, I'm not my religion, I am Captain Chris. And if you try to use a democracy to overpower what I am, that's, that's tyranny, uh, tyranny of the state and tyranny of the population. And I will start firing on them uh, just as soon as I will a minority group that takes over uh, just because they have power. Like at the end of the day, the ideal is to not give power over people as long as those people respect the fact that each individual has natural rights to include life, liberty, and property. Uh, as Thomas Jefferson said before it was fucked up to say life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, so... So for, uh, I guess, for our perspective of an ANCAP society, would, wouldn't it be harder for us to spread our ideology because we can't, I guess, we can't force it? Like every other government or state can just take control and force their ideology on other people, but we're, we're in the position where we, we can't force that. We have, to, we have to have people accept our ideology. So, uh, I, and coming on to this, I wanted to avoid... Uh, offering solutions more than just pointing out where the potential pitfalls of a libertarian uh, small L uh, minarchist boogaloo uh, could could arise in the, the dichotomy like the one that you just pointed out. Um, I I don't see that necessarily a, as a fault. Uh, I I believe that there are still innate innate human rights, and you can advocate uh between positive and negative human rights like the um uh, i i saw a, a good post recently on you know uh health is a human right uh so is you know the right to bear arms like yes you are allowed health care and no one should be able to deny you the right to health care uh, the same with the right to bear arms but no one can enforce the uh, importance of providing you with that on another human being. Like, I, I am a, I, I wouldn't call myself a gunsmith by any means. I, I build guns. 
but no one can say, you know, Captain Chris, provide a gun to, you know, Joe Schmo, the shit rag dealer. Have you ever built no an AK? Can do that. Uh, I, I, I have an AK. I've not built an AK. I've See, you're not a real gunsmith. You've just been putting together Lego pieces and calling it building guns. <laughs> well, I, I would say the AR is a Swiss watch of weapons. Like the AK is is a good jackhammer, but it's it, if you can put together an AR, you can put together an AK. The Stoner was was outside of his proper field when he built that thing. You know, but, I, st- I I love you, but I don't accept your blasphemy. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like I said, I I own an AK. I have modified my AK uh, outside of the norms with which it was built but uh, at the end of the day if i hear someone knocking on my door kicking it in and saying swat freeze i'm grabbing my green tips ar uh, 62 (laughs) grain boat tail and i'm going to work until nobody's knocking anymore so you know we 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 can can we can call that a divergence of opinion (laughs) (laughs) Again, going back to uh, you know where we are on the big tent, I think we can all exist under the big tent and uh, disagree on the proper sidearm uh, to carry when somebody <laughs> uh, unconstitutionally knocks on your door and uh, tells Breaks you they have a red flag. Hey, man, I, I, I tell ANCAPs all the time, I, I want a society where when y'all bitch, you actually sound crazy. Like, like what's there to bitch about? <laughs> Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. I, I that's what they say, tell us. That's what he tells us all the time. It's that. like, yeah, no, I agree, but like fuck still, you. Still <laughs> still still tyranny fucking status. Yeah. <laughs> there there is a, a like tyranny uh you know has a large scale and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like anything that can be done good, like there is no one today who would say within the you know small L libertarian community who would say that electing Ron Paul would be bad. But I would say that there's probably within that group, no one who would also say that Ron Paul isn't a, a statist in the fact that he <laughs> believes in a state. Yeah. But if you yeah. go around calling everyone who supports Ron Paul a statist, you're going to make a lot more enemies than you are friends. Yeah, so, dude, you know what's crazy? There's people that fucking do that shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 and it's like, all right, well, you're just a douchebag. Don't fucking talk about Ron Paul. You bigger balls than you do, you Purists are the fucking worst of any group. Know, yeah. Any fucking group. They're the, they're the fucking worst. Well, that's why, I like, that's why I like our show and then a couple other shows where you you have that mix. Like, I'm I'm a minarchist. You two are fucking ANCAPs. Like, it all well, goes... It yeah, all goes we're all fighting. Like, we're all fighting for the day we that... We all bitch about the same yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, I'm fighting for the day that me and you, Jared, are the opposite side of the aisle. Exactly. If that happens, exactly. then thank fucking God. Right? But, like, that's... It's not... We're not even close to that right now. Exactly, so, like, yeah. why would I hate that you're a minarchist and I'm an anarchist? Why would I hate that? Exactly. It's fucking... Like, I pray for the day where our arguments against each other are actually viable. Yeah, and the only time, the only time, it's like when you say that, like you're absolutely right. I'm like, no, you're not, because you're a statist. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So I, I think think everybody's on the same page there. I, I think part of the problem is purists are not willing to to work outside, and I think part of the problem because I don't 
I don't like shifting blame outside all of the time is that we like, like we just all did is we like to point at purists and be like, you guys are the fucking problem rather than trying to convert purists like uh like you guys are i feel like this i feel like the stress of a boogaloo would make those motherfuckers come in line real quick because it's like what are you going to do you're either going to accept it and sit sit on the side and bitch out you're going to be a third-party actor probably get hell fired by yourself and your little fucking five-man fucking gang at some point or you're going to shut the fuck up and accept some shit yeah, well, I mean, at the same time, like, how many people were against, uh, you know, Gary Johnson running for, for libertarian? I, like, I, I, I think I, 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 think I that came into libert- of- Gary Johnson both brought me into libertarianism, almost got me out of libertarianism, and then radicalized me further into libertarianism because I hated him. Like exactly. all in the same election like, cycle, it was all the same group. I, it was like, oh fuck. And then you look at the Libertarian Party with some fat fuck dancing around in a thong, and you're like, you know, how, how do we how do we get to end state uh, from here? And and you don't because you you have those people. So uh, I'm not I'm not advocating for for Ronald Reagan. Uh, Nicholas Sarwak. <laughs> so I I think that Ronald Reagan was successful in building a big tent. He was able to take uh, cultural conservatives, uh, demi-libertarians, because when he, if you look what at he what ran he on. said, yeah, if you look at what he ran on, he was very libertarian. If you look at what he did, it's much it more not. difficult. Oh yeah, but and and anti-communists, and those were the like three pillars of yeah. the Republican Party at the time, and those three pillars could make a successful movement in the future. But the problem is is the purists, and not only the purists from the ANCAP side, but the purists from the libertarian side who refuse to work uh, with the ANCAPs. Right. And just understanding that, like, any movement towards good, not the lesser of two evil, but even towards the lesser good. good, anything that is a positive gain is a positive gain, and we're not going to strategically win the war in 2020 and i don't mean the war kinetically i mean the cultural war that's not going to happen because of this podcast but strategically what you need to understand is any step forward is a step towards that goal even if it is not the end state it is a state where you can then jump off the next platform we've had i want to stay closer we want to say i've had we've had four or five guys message us that either said they're currently in the military or were thinking about joining the military that said we completely fucking changed their fucking belief system about the military. And I'm like, I can, that's a win. We want, I take that. Yeah. I take that as a win. Like like, everything we've worked, everything we've worked for on this podcast, everything we've fucking done completely worth it. Just because of that, just we fucking, we changed the minds of fucking a couple people. It's those little steps. Those little steps mean something. So, uh, it was, it was Nate Fick, actually, who wrote the, the book One Bullet Away, whose name I couldn't remember earlier. But, um, like I said, my fiance fed me water, so I, I think I'm better now. Uh, <laughs> and he, he was talking about how like the liberal colleges wouldn't allow uh, the military on their campuses because they're like they're going to, you know, push their like military conservative agenda on the campuses. 
And he's like, no, that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is we'll be able to liberalize. And I mean that in the classic sense of the word, not the modern right. sense of the word. We're going to be able to liberalize the military. And if you go into the liberal, the military today, a lot of it is small libertarian, classic sense liberal, where they're like, you know, let's bring in more mindsets. Let's not just be this, uh, you know, monomaniacal uh, push forward. Exactly. That everybody uh, assumes is what the, the military believes. Uh, so while, while I agree, stopping someone who doesn't know what they're getting into in the military is good. I also think that if we're able to plant seeds within the military, and this is one thing that one of my friends who uh, will probably listen to this later on and be like, Chris, what, what in the hell did you do? Uh, keeps on telling me that I, I'm the least Marine Marine that she knows. Uh, like at, at the end of the day, if that's what I, I got called as the best Marines. Exactly. If <laughs> Those I are the best to, Marines to ship the Marine Corps away from like, I, I believe what my hire tells me to believe I will kill what my hire tells me to, be, to kill because that's what my mission is and Marines accomplish missions. Like what I want is a thinking Marine Corps. And if I get kicked out of the Marine Corps, but can plant a few seeds in the Marine Corps, or if I can get high enough where I plant a lot of seeds in the Marine Corps, not to tear down the government from the inside, but to believe that your job is to protect the Constitution and to think about every order that you get. Is this protecting the Constitution? Like, that's that's my end state. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. That's the wish the mindset that I had, but like I fucking, I was like, yo, I'm fucking bailing on this sinking ship. So I wanted to kill Pakistani college kids. Yeah. And that's what you didn't, <laughs> but then like, oh. I, yeah, the, my, my whole thing was like, I was just done. I was just done. Like that's a personal that was, level. Yeah. yeah. On a personal level, I was done. And then at the same time, like I couldn't put other people through what I had to go through. And I was just like, I can't do that yeah. to you guys. I can't do that to people anymore. But at the same time, I was a sergeant, and it's a little bit different for us. Yeah, well, I so for officers, we have this weird state where after your first contract, you have to press a button. It's like a press the I believe button in a very, very existential sense where you will accept what they send at you for the next contract. So I, I was like, well, it can't get any worse than what they threw at me in 2019. <laughs> oh boy, did it. Uh, it. It provided me some, some opportunities uh, to step into the strategic realm. And I, I made a lot of friends. Uh, so, you know, I have that going for me at least. But is, um, is it a struggle for you with your ideology and being in the military? Like every day. I wouldn't say say ever. So the two deployments I've done, I I've been able to believe in those two uh, deployments. One, I was defending what is considered uh, American soil internationally on a um, uh, on an international law sense, like uh, defending an embassy. Like regardless yeah. of what country you're looking at, that is an embassy is. You, you you cut you, out again. Yeah, you fucking unplugged yourself again, bud. 
water. So uh, that, that uh, unplugged my, my mic cord. Um, so I, I was able to defend American soil abroad, which even when the Russians or Chinese put an embassy in America, that is Russian or Chinese soil, respectively. Uh, or res- yeah, respectively, because that's, that's what's understood. That is yes. their soil. Uh, they were visiting here, but that soil we allot to them so we can have relations. So I was able to do that. And the second time I was on a deployment, uh, again, with a joint interagency task force, uh, combined joint interagency task force. So it was multinational. We were invited by the country where we were to work with multiple different countries, you know, multiple different, like 20 some different countries, 20 some different American agencies to be able to defeat uh, Salafist jihadism, um, which is, you know, the Sunni extremism being yeah. pushed out. And we were able to do that working with other people. So I wasn't, you know, killing the Pakistani uh, college students. I was Rah. working with countries that wanted to be worked with to ensure that, uh, you know, the next Ariana Grande uh, concert bombing wasn't going to happen on their soil. So I, I've been extremely lucky because while I fought to get on both of those deployments, I got on both of those deployments. So I, I would say that is a, a mix between uh, luck and my my efforts because at the end of the day, if they tell me like, hey, you're going to, you know, this state that doesn't need American interference to go interfere as an American, it would be much, it would be very difficult in my position to be like, no, fuck you guys, this doesn't align with my personal yeah. uh, perspective. Luckily, in the jobs that I have, I've been able to align those on deployment, not so much in garrison, but on deployment, I've been uh, blessed, uh, I will say, in being able to uh, to do that. And, and how do you feel about the coronavirus? <laughs> well, if you guys aren't going to push in what I said on break, I think the coronavirus is, it is a real thing. There is a coronavirus. Uh, I have lived through MERS, SARS, H1, H1N1, H5N1. And I haven't died yet. Both of my parents are over 60 years old. And I haven't, uh, I've advised them to, uh, you know, social distance themselves to, you know, wash their hands more often, uh, decontaminate things when they go out in public to ensure that they're not being contaminated. But I'm a 32 year old healthy, uh, healthy male. And if coronavirus kills me, you uh, deserve it. Uh, yeah, I, I fucking <laughs> Darwinism. Darwinism, Darwinism baby. Yeah, that, that, that's God taking. Get your weak ass gene pool the he, fuck out of here. Here's the thing: every person who has died of coronavirus, like if you have pneumonia, SARS, AIDS, HIV, uh, the fucking gamut. If you have smoked every day in your life a pack a day, like, and you die of coronavirus, when they write up what killed you it will say coronavirus so yeah. all this bullshit about like you know almost a thousand uh human beings in america have died of coronavirus like yeah that's true 
But those are the straws that broke the camel's back. And at the end of the day, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for your family. I, I do not advocate for a single human being dying if it can be averted. But at the cost of the American economy, the American way of life and the liberties that are enumerated in our Constitution, uh, I, I would rather have those. I would rather see America burn to the ground tomorrow than see one of those redacted by a single fucking letter. I fucking love that. Well, uh, final thoughts? Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, what he said. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, I, this was like a... It, it honestly was like a, a learning episode for us. Like, I, I truly believe, like, the times that we've... Because we've had to stop during this podcast, but the times that we've stopped, we've all gone outside and been like, dude... Blah, 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 and just like yelled at each other for five minutes until we had to come back inside and start going again. And it like, not like yelled at each other in a bad way, but like we just wanted to get our thoughts it, out because we had so it made much us to think. Say. It made us fucking think. It made us fucking think in a different way. And honestly, that's why we started this podcast in this, in the first place. And you know, maybe we haven't been thinking in different ways since we've started it. And that's why I fucking love this podcast. It's easy to why, be a book boy, dude. It's yeah. easy to be well, a book boy. And I, but that's why I like having people on like like Matt from Status Quo or Pat from Uncensored Tactical. They make you think about like these these people are fucking smart and we're we're like on this podcast, us three are fucking lucky to talk to people like you, Chris, because you guys are fucking intelligent. And I'm not saying that we're not intelligent. I'm just saying that we don't pay attention to things the same way. And that's not a bad thing but it's how we were taught. And then we like to get used to things. So we go about it the same way we do because it's easy for us and people react to it in a certain way. So I love these kinds of conversations where we're actually on the receiving end of getting some knowledge because it's kind of humbling and um, it makes you think in a different way and it might, I, like, in my opinion, it's kind of made me think how we should change and adapt to what you've brought up uh, for this podcast further on as we talk about things. So that's my final thoughts. And the coronavirus is bullshit. Nick Sarwak can get fucked. <laughs> uh, my mean, final, I'll go ahead. with my final thoughts. Uh, well, Chris, uh, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before, but you're kind of the reason I became a libertarian. Luke was already going down that path, but you were uh, you were fucking the one that me when I, at least when I was in the military. So thank you for that. And uh, also, I hate you because being a sheep was fucking so much better. I mean, I at least didn't have to stress about the government giving out $1,200 to everyone. But, uh, and I thought before I would have thought that was a good thing. And now I'm like, fuck dude, that's terrible. But, uh, uh, I really love this conversation. Um, it, I, you made me fucking research and least, uh, make myself more familiar with my old Intel self. Because when you sent your notes over, you sent me so many acronyms. I was like, fuck dude, what do these means again? What is cog? What is COG? Oh yeah, center of gravity. And you would be so mad if I said that I didn't know what that means. And that, that, that hurts my soul at a very visceral <laughs> level. 
<laughs> well, dude, I've been fucking, you know, out of the Marine Corps for like three years now, which is kind of throw axes now. Yeah, I throw axes. Well, uh, yeah, I throw axes and teach people to throw axes. You don't but even do that I'm, anymore. <laughs> yeah, now I'm useless to society. All I'm doing is filing for unemployment. And ho- yeah, I'm not essential to this fucking whatever, dude. But anyways, thanks for coming on, Chris. I love having you on. And uh, you might end up being that strategic leader that we need in this boogaloo. But uh, Chris is the boogaloo commander. <laughs> no, fucking yeah, man. It's just, I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of the same stuff where it's, it was fucking awesome having you on, dude. I've, I've never, I've never talked to you before. I didn't know you like uh, Luke and Typo did in Marine Corps, but I definitely heard of you talk about you a lot in a, a totally homosexual way. Um, <laughs> but dude, honestly, it, it, it's just great. Um, having somebody that has like a, a higher level background, especially with the knowledge base that you have and the, the issues you have. Um, and, and honestly, you hit all the great points. There's a lot of shit that I'm going to start echoing a lot more where, you know, be less, especially just the more support unit type of shit where it's like you have people that are like, well, I've never really shot a gun before yada 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 but like i'm gonna go get one it's like you don't you don't have to if you don't want to man you don't you don't have to be a trigger puller to support uh, the liberty movement you don't have to be a trigger puller to support the boogaloo things of that nature it's uh it's definitely a lot of food for thought and um, i'm gonna be really excited for for a lot of people to hear this episode and to hear the fucking massive fuck ton of information that you dropped in it it's been amazing dude thank you for coming on and thank you guys for having me. I, uh, once, uh, I, I feel like it was two months ago or so that, uh, typo told me you guys were doing a, a podcast and I've been trying to, uh, you know, listen to everyone you guys have put out since then. Uh, I realize you guys have been around for a while, but, uh, I, I was telling you in the breaks that, uh, podcasts aren't really something I, I follow because I'm practically a boomer when it comes to technology. Like I had to get him to tell me how Dude, to I'll, you know, like, I'll, listen to you guys. Like, I'll, I'll send you a couple ones that you may actually like that have a lot of information about like shit that you may be very attuned to. Yeah. Like I, when, when I'm driving, which I feel like is when most people listen to podcasts, when I'm driving, I listen to audiobooks. When I, I read, I'm reading books when I work out, I'm usually listening to music, when I, which is when I've actually integrated you guys is when I'm, you know, like lifting weights or when I'm, you know, out working in my yard and just like, yeah, fuck the feds or you know, just getting overly worked up off of pre-workout and adrenaline. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a pro or a con, but uh it's definitely uh, been been good to to be on here. Um, I I feel like I I maybe prepped more than uh, I should have to, to be on here, which is why it went a little bit longer than uh, than maybe it should have. But uh, uh, the reason I got you all the the drink uh, prior to this is because I I really am honored to uh, to be on this podcast with you guys and uh, anytime in the future. Uh, I, I get the opportunity to sit down with you guys again. Uh, I, I'd be I'd be honored to do it because uh, this has been a, a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> as, as long as you don't fire me, I feel like I, I have my foot in the door and a, a lot of knowledge that uh, you you don't normally get. Um, 
without people who've been working at that uh, higher or even mid-level strategic level. Um, and okay. maybe in the future we can talk, uh, you know, tactics and operations and uh, how it all ties together. We're oh, yeah. talking, we're gonna get you and Pat in the same fucking podcast yeah. one way or another. <laughs> yeah, like we we need to get you and Pat together because I honestly it would be literally be a podcast about you guys just like bouncing ideas off of each other, and I could sit there and listen to that all fucking day. Yeah, because because Pat goes. Pat goes really deep into like the very because his podcast is called Uncensored Tactical. Like he has an entire episode just about the best gloves. Yeah, like he goes fucking deep into that tactical. And so listening to both of you guys, uh, like tact tact tactical and then strategy, I'd just be like, yeah. So this is the game plan, like right here. This like that's what I name the fucking episode, the game plan. Like, and then it'd just be you guys talking about it because. You guys are fucking way too smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a good time here. Um, I, I, I love talking tactics too. Like right now I'm building a, an AR build, like I said, and I'm, you know, picking the right uh, pistol brace for it that weighs, you know, 0. 0.02 grams of <laughs> what a Magpul stock would be in, in the off chance that I were to, you know, violate federal firearm laws create a felony put a stock on there and go after some dudes who weren't expecting it but i'd have a better brace when i did it like in the off chance hypothetically that that were to happen i i love talking tactics too so I, i'm sure we'll uh, we'll all get together again in the future fuck yeah absolutely well gents that's the fucking shit show um chris okay. thank you again for coming on man Thank you guys. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think my uh, my fiance uh, already checked out and went to bed without me, so I'll, <laughs> I'll probably have to call it a night because I'm supposed to be into work putting up a uh, uh, whatever the fuck it is uh, on MOL <laughs> where all my people are. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you have a good night. I hope you don't wake up too hungover tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's guaranteed at this point. But uh, thank you, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. job than just having to like listen to us like that's beautiful. <laughs> like just some poor fucking fbi boot just sitting in a fucking office and he has to listen to our fucking episodes like i'm gonna red pill him <laughs> he's, gonna be, he's like i'm i'm an anarchist because i want to kill everybody because of these guys like they've driven me insane well i mean that's that's one way to recruit right like uh yeah, <laughs> we're getting through to the FBI any other way. So. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, gotta red pill them while they have to listen to forty-five hours of our content. <laughs> That's insane. I, I, it always surprises me that we've actually have forty-five episodes. That's fucking craziness. We make money off of this. Like, what? Yeah. I just set up a separate bank account recently, and I was like, damn, dude, this is hard. We're doing adult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so when I do my intro, do you just want me to, to say who I am, and then you'll lead into the topic, or do you want me to kind of segue from who I am into um, why I'm on However, the show? Honestly, dude. That way works. This shit. 
just that way it works for me. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just give you like, I'll just be like, we have a, a special guest on today and then I'll say who you are and then I'll let you give your little brief description of who you are and, and then we can move right into the topics. Okay. Just, so just let it, fl- just let it flow, bro. Don't force it. Be all right. Yeah. Yeah. You got scotch in you. You'll be all right. Fit yeah. right in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I might have to uh, tell my fiance to run down and just give me a couple shots. Just so I'm, <laughs> I'm on your guys's level. I, once I'm finished with this, you're going to see me leave for a little bit. Cause I'm going to go drink. Cause I like scotch is my favorite alcohol. He was so excited when I pulled out, I opened that fucking box, dude. Oh, he was the most excited out of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't done these since, uh, I don't think I've made one since I graduated college. This used to be like my go-to. I'm sitting and writing a paper drink. So I, I figured, hey, you know, you're in college at least, so I, I can get away with it this time. Yeah, right? <laughs> Typo's in college. Yeah, I'm not you know, in college. One of, oh, yeah, Typo, Typo dropped out this semester. <laughs> yeah, <son of> a, <laughs> none of us are in college. I'm a, I'm a plumber. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to find like a sergeant major to send after you guys. <laughs> they dropped hey. out. Go get them. <laughs> hey man, I'm not living in a van down by the river yet, so there's that. Like I'm still yet. making it, kind of. Yeah, you guys are at least contributing to the private sector. That's more than I or any sergeant major can say. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. I'm a net positive to society. <laughs> I ain't contributing shit since this fucking lockdown. So. Yeah, typo, typo's going to be a parasite on unemployment now. So Yeah, I applied for unemployment. <laughs> yeah, well, you can also get 1200 a month. I, I can't do that. So, you know, you... Nah. Oh, yeah. I, that got passed, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's one thing. I'm going to try to not get into like the the myriad of reasons I hate the government because this is what, like an hour long normally, give or take? Yeah, an hour to two. Dude, we've got yeah. two. So yeah, we've I, got, we have, a, we have one episode. I think it's like two and change. It was the first episode with Whiskey and Rebellion that we had on. Oh, and, yeah. That one was a long one. I remember 30 minutes of that episode. <laughs> you actually make it a, um, a, a quad? So this one was a double. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Luke. That's Typo. So when did you start going by Typo again? Because I, I don't think you were Typo the entire time you were with Tanks, which is dead, by the way. Well, or dying, at least. Well, yeah, yeah. If I heard they were getting rid of the Abrams, um, but uh, uh, they Luke always called me Typo from Okinawa. So that when I moved in with here, like that became like my name. So like okay. when I first started college and going out to bars and shit, everyone knew me as Typo. Yeah, when when uh, he was at Tanks and I'd go over and hang out at the Tanks barracks, I'd call him Typo, and everybody would like, "Who the fuck are you t- calling Typo?" And I'd have yeah. to explain to everybody why his name was typo jake yeah. always got like weirdly upset that they called you guys like when he would be like why yeah. do they call you typo your name's tyler and i was like i don't know dude they just it's oh. a nickname <laughs> so i i don't know jake was supposed to be one of my groomsmen and he hasn't talked to me for like i don't know two months i think he might have just gotten pissed off by the stuff i was posting about cops Jesus. No, I do that. There's a dude I deployed with that doesn't talk to me anymore. We were like really good buds, but it was back when I had a Facebook and I was just getting to libertarianism. It was like right after I started to get like red pilled about police and shit. And he yeah. started going in to be a corrections officer. 
and yeah, that didn't go over well. Yeah, like I, I have, I have some friends from high school who are cops. Jake is trying to become a cop. He actually put me down as a uh, character reference. Oh God, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, if, if you really think that's going to help you, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> that might not be the best idea, but yeah, with the, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Luke and I are pretty prolific on Facebook. Typo doesn't use that as much. But with Duncan Lemp, I'm just like try try and defend that fucking shit. Like, I, yeah, you. please, yeah. He, Hal and I are like always back and forth on Facebook on each other's statuses and shit. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I went on. Uh, do you guys follow a Red E Boogie or Ready Boogie 2020? And uh, there's a a group based on that. Also, it's pretty much like a write in uh, Ready Boogie. Uh, for president in 2020 and if we get three percent right in that means that you know by the standard deviation there's enough people to pop off a boogaloo so, <laughs> in march that's <laughs> awesome that's hilarious yeah there were like me and a group of people started just I, you can't say OSINT because then you know it's like violation of eo 12 triple three and all these things against the law that i can't do but we went on to what was publicly available and uh, started looking up like you know the chain of command from uh, the the county police like commissioner all the way down to the like the lowest we got was the deputy commander for special act special activities division which is like their special operations division which is the one that's in charge of SWAT and what we were trying to do was pretty much dox SWAT dudes but but we never got that low. <laughs> but we we got like i don't know five or six dudes and we're just posting it on every boogaloo facebook that we could get our hands on so yeah it was you know a good couple days and i was coming back from camp at the time so i was stuck in an airport and i'm like how much damage can i do with a cell phone let's just <laughs> <laughs> jesus how are awful. you still in the marine corps see this that's I have a, a friend who's a much better libertarian LL than I am. He's a anarcho-capitalist. One of the guys who I would say converted me. And every time I post something, he's like, you know, you can't just do this, right? And I'm like, it's, it's like being in a relationship that you want to end, but you're too much of a pussy to break up. <laughs> so you're just like the biggest asshole that you can be until she breaks up with you. I feel like I have to just fade this episode in. Like, I feel like I can't cut all this stuff out because it's just too good. What, what you need to do is put like a blooper reel at the end. And yeah. Move it <laughs> back end. Yeah, that's that's probably what I'll do. Oh, shit. Do you just intro this? Let's go. Just yeah. Get this yeah, going. Let's get it going. All right. Give me a couple seconds of silence.